Welcome to episode number six of Moving With Life. I am Andy Acosta. My friends Eddie Sines and Brian Lovinos will be joining me as well. Listeners, please subscribe. Please leave reviews. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Your feedback is much appreciated. Jumping right into episode number six, we have some funny topics. We have some serious topics. Overall, it was a great conversation. We go over everything from Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie, and Jedi, whether that's singular or plural for the new movie coming out. Then getting more serious, we talk about perception and time, how everybody's perception is different, and expectations as well. Uh, Like perceptions and expectations, you can't expect or perceive everything as the same case. Every Everybody's different, everybody's their own human being. While we all have commonalities, at the end of the day, we also have the things that separate us from each other. From there we go into efficiency, humility, stoicism, big topics that I feel are very important and relevant to our lives and building our career paths and having balance with our careers and personal life. The final two major points that come up in this conversation are mind over matter and seclusion. For both of those subjects, it comes down to the self. It comes down to you making a choice to prioritize, execute your mission, and move with life. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, I, that's how I feel every single podcast. Because I catch those when I'm re-listening. I'm like, man, talk better, Andy. Talk fucking better. Talk gooder, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Basically, might as well fucking say it like that. I I finally have fallen behind Jocko podcast due to time of like editing this one. And by the time I get to Wednesday, it's like my day. My it's like my deadline day, and then finish the intro of the night, and then post it at four o'clock in the morning. So. It's been, I'm behind an episode now. Well, goddamn, hell froze over. 62 weeks, and I missed one. I've, I've now sure. fallen behind one. Wow. Right. Over a year? Because, and at that, like, he started it early 2016, and I didn't start listening until around May. So I caught up during <laughs> during uh, Nashville. Like, that's when I caught up, and I was up to 21, 22. You had nothing to do over there? <laughs> <laughs> well... Let's see. Eddie's alarm would go off for an hour, <laughs> and that was True. my alarm clock. The second time, okay, I'm 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 gonna work out. I'm gonna just get my day going, get my alpha brain in, get my breakfast going. Because at that point, I was not drinking any alcohol, with a couple, with exception of a couple of beers that we had in Broadway. And then uh, I was on alpha brain, and I counted every single. That's when I started my calorie counting. I quit alcohol and I started calorie counting. So like by June that we were in Nashville for those three weeks, I was dead into it counting my how much cereal i was drinking how much milk i was putting into the cereal how much chicken we were making you know dividing all those pieces up uh summarizing more or less like the ounces that i'm gonna intake for the day and for tomorrow whatever and then stuff like that so um yeah definitely went that route you want to know how my alarm clock works (laughs) doesn't it just make a sound when you want to wake up okay let me specify not how it works but how i set it like your system or what yeah okay This is why Andy said my alarm clock went off for an hour. So I set my alarms. Like, let's say hypothetically we got to get up at 8. I set one at 8. I set one at 8.05. I set one at 8.10. At 8.15. 8.20. 25. And 30. And and you have to be up 
at eight. At eight. Well, oh, okay. Well, maybe not up by eight, but uh, I'm at smoking beer. Um, well, like, well, we got. Well, okay. Let's just say that we got to get up at a certain time, like nine or whatever. So uh-huh. I set my alarm clock at eight, and then set all those multiple alarms afterwards. I'm sorry, I should have explained that better. But <laughs> I'd say we got to be up at eight. I'll get up around eleven. <laughs> <laughs> my alarm going off every ten minutes from then. Yeah, I should have thought that one through. Anyway, so I set just like a shit ton of alarms every five minutes, and every five minutes. I snoozed the shit out of them. And Every so, and then, five <laughs> minutes. And so, um, well, then after they start going off like that, when you snooze one, it rounds for eight minutes of rest, and then that yeah. alarm repeats, right? So I've got all these repeating <laughs> alarms after a while. <laughs> so imagine after the first three, dude. Now, he has them for the whole hour. After the first three, the f- that's 24 minutes of redundancy right. that he's now – Falling into, okay, minute 24 is one, and then minute 25 is another. Because <laughs> yeah. I know that happens with me, but I, I have three alarms every 15 minutes. Like, for, yeah, for 30 minutes, I have one at 6.30, 6.45, and then 7. So I know what you're talking about. Like, sometimes they'll, they'll kind of, like, not overlap exactly, but you'll have, like, an Very alarm. It's super close. Yeah. And and they don't stagger like it won't be one alarm to snooze three it's three mm-hmm. separate yeah three separate alarms three separate snoozes it gets really annoying really fast living with me so <laughs> I'd wake up and get my workout in <laughs> and I would somehow just sleep through all of that look but up check his Facebook go back to sleep I feel like <laughs> pretty much <laughs> so sad God I feel sad what am I doing. <laughs> I've been telling myself I'm going to fix that bad habit forever, and I have not done it. I have not made the effort to not check my Facebook first thing I do when I wake up. Or email. I usually go email first. But why? Because usually, like, email, um, not that it consumes a lot of my day, but it consumes a lot of my, um, like, I guess, day as it spreads out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like I'm sitting down and doing emails, like, for... Like two hours straight, right? I'm just doing them consistently, spread out throughout the day. So I just always feel like I'm missing something important, and I usually am. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily wrong about it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I definitely check it way too much. It's kind of sad. I think what I really need to do is just like put my phone on charge away from my nightstand, That's somewhere I can't reach it. That's one of the – someone brings that up. I've heard it in a podcast where uh, leave your Sim, – Simon Sinek, Sinek that brings up? Simon yeah. Sinek, leave your, leave your phone in the kitchen, charging in the kitchen. And if you need an alarm clock, I'll buy you an, Get alarm, an alarm clock. clock. Buy an yeah. alarm clock so that you can't check your phone. Now, if you check your phone, you have to get your ass up. Yep. You have to get up, so – it's interesting. I, uh, I tried that in college once. Didn't work for shit. Well, because you only tried it once. <laughs> okay. Oh. There was just a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you got it. Um, what I was gonna say in regards to is it only it was only once. The average had like time to develop a habit is twenty one days. So I tested mine when we started the gym that me and Brian are a part of. It took me thirty two days to fill. Fi- that that was my lapse time so who knows what yours would be who knows which what brian's would be 365 um. i think <laughs> maybe i mean eight man it happens yeah. uh i i just know that because it's because one of the things that pops on that on that tv was like oh it takes 21 yeah, days yeah. to develop a new habit blah, blah blah and while that's 
only somewhat accurate. I tested it on myself, and I was like, and it took me 32. So it was, you know, it was more. It wasn't exactly two times as much, but it was just longer. And and then I started being, I started feeling less. I started less. Uh, I started having to ease into it less and just go, and it was fine. Like it was part. Of, it became my routine, which right. now, which we've held that pretty consistent. That five o'clock thing, like, yeah. it's pretty much go time, with and the exception of like my my late work days and stuff. Yeah, yeah, with the exception of that. But even then, like for our body, and then there's a there's an episode too where uh, Tim does talk about. I think it's with, not. It's not with. It's uh, it's with Peter T. I believe. But how optimal, like, workout time, more or less, is, I think it's seven hours after you wake up. Like, that's, like, oh, optimal really? time. Yeah, there's, it's, there's a window. And he said his was, like, a six and a half or something. There's a variation. I'm not sure. I'm not positive. Right. Uh, it's definitely out there on the interwebs for people to, like, to check out. But uh, uh, I know he said it, there, it's an opt- optimal time for him. Like, you know, like if you wake up on this time, then you can you can work out at this time. And ours just worked out because let's say the day starts – let's say the – Normal day starts around eight, so by five it's about time to do that, yeah. include lifting, and then have a good dinner. And obviously have a good dinner. Right. But uh, I think I did read that in his uh, profile in Tools of Titans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty positive it's Peter Artia. Yeah. So um, every Friday I go to lunch with these three coworkers: a male coworker and two female coworkers that are sisters. And um, today after lunch, the male coworker comes up to me and he was like. He's like, I don't remember how this came up, but me and this girl, we were having the conversation, and I told her that I respect other people's relationships. If I, you know, become interested in a girl, and then I find out she's in a relationship, I I back off. Like, I don't I don't make a move. I don't try to, to win her over or anything. And then the girl goes, well, what if she's the one, though? What if What if that girl is the one, and she's in a relationship with someone who's, you know, she's not meant to be with? And then I said, dude, like, yeah, I, I totally had a similar conversation like two years ago with her sister. And she used the phrase, um, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. And then this the male coworker goes, dude, like she said the exact same thing to me like 20 minutes ago. I was like, whoa. I was like, so I, that got me thinking. I was like, but really? Like, because I, I, I totally agree with the fact that, you know, you shouldn't intervene in a relationship that's just you know it's it's rude it's inconsiderate um so i i think it's 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 not right to do but what if she's the one and you know if you believe in in having that soulmate that one person for you um then you know i guess you believe that your paths will cross later and it'll it'll happen but even if you think about it like rationally, logically, if she's the person that's most compatible with you, what what happens? Like, you know, is is that did you miss that opportunity forever? No, because I think timing just has a lot to do with your person being like a soulmate. You know what I mean? So even if you feel like you're like totally meant to be with this one person, the timing may be the the worst timing in the world. You know what I mean? And um, at least for me lately, uh, especially the the last girl that I was kind of uh, serious with, like timing just had a lot to do with everything, because we'd known each other for, I guess, a few years, but um, like we were seeing different people, and of course I wasn't living here permanently yet, so timing was just um, a whole other thing. And we had actually thought we'd stumbled upon the perfect timing, 
turns out we definitely did not stumble upon the perfect timing. So, I don't know. I think that has a lot to do with it. No, I, and and I agree, but like, what if what if you know that you never get that time again? Then it for me it then it wasn't meant to. It just yeah. was ultimately like, and that's that's something that I wonder because for now that I think now that we're thinking deeper about these particular subjects, for the people who don't and realize it like twenty years later. Oh man, like that that's hard. Like I'm 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 being serious in this in this moment. You know like. Like realizing it twenty twenty five, thirty years later, because it, I mean they're maturing through time, right? Their experience right. has led them to this conclusion, and now it's way long gone. Where now we're considering like, well, then okay, then I guess we have to move on. Yeah, and with that said, I I do think that there are a lot of people who who maybe miss their chance with that that you know the one. Yeah. So. It's fair. But damn it. Um. What Def- if she's right in front of you? It's scary, but bro. She's taken. If she's taken, okay. This is okay. Let me. I'll just chime in a little bit. If she's taken, then that's where the wall ends. That's yeah. that's where the journey ends, right? For now. Now if she's not taken. Now I have to say, jump for it or don't. But don't make up your mind. Yeah, you you have to make a choice. In that and. Okay, I'm not. We're not. Get, we're not gonna get deep into this because I want to get into like interstellar talk with when we have Justin on in a few weeks. But when they bring up like love and timing and gravity and all that stuff, it's like it, that kind of for me at least put it put that type of situation to perspective. You know, it just like okay, not now, maybe later. You know, but if they're in a relationship right now, absolutely not. Um, I still, f- I mean, I'll be honest. I still find myself habitually looking at the left ring finger, like to confirm. Yeah. But going back to the your general deal as far as uh, that one, um, that that's all I got. Yeah. I know. Like, I kind of wish that I could see my ex face to face right now, like with all of us here in the same room, and just ask her how she feels about timing. Because she is now engaged to the guy that she was not dating, but they could have been, like, if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, they, um, I mean, I'll just come out and say, like, like you know, they were, I mean, as most people um, do, you know, they were casual. They were, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of friends with benefits, right. whatever. You know, they, were, they had a very casual relationship. And um, so before me and her um, were getting to the point where things may be getting exclusive, before we were kind of setting down that path. And, and going on dates, um, you know, she approached him and was like, hey, like, are you, like, feeling anything more than, than like, you know, than just this casualness? Because, like, if you are, like, I need to know. Like, if not, then I'm going to, like, you know, drop, have to drop the casualness and, and you know, pursue this with this other guy. And, and he basically told her, like, no, like, I mean, um, I don't see it as anything more than casual. So, like, if you need to, like, drop it and, like, you think you might be getting exclusive with this guy, then go for right. it. So, and then... You know, so and then me and this girl dated for two years, and now she's, you know, then they, then she started dating the other dude that from from before, and then now they're engaged. So it's like, yeah, it just wasn't the right time for them, especially because he was graduating that year that me and this girl started dating, and then he went off to San Diego to join the Marine Band and do right. his basics and, you know, get his life started basically after college. So yeah, like, 
from my point of view anyway, um, again, this is like completely um, not even emotionally attached to it, not even an ounce. This is just like from as much outside perspective as I can possibly have um, from my point of view, like just wasn't the right timing for them, clearly. But now look at them go. Yeah, and I I totally agree with the timing thing, and and I think that if it's meant to be, then it'll happen. But man, I was just curious about you know the whole the whole scenario that was presented. Like, what if this person is with the wrong person? Do you just kind of cross your arms and like, oh well, can't do anything right now? Well, I guess yeah, you can't do anything because that's their own journey, yeah. right? Yeah, true. So true. they're going through their own trials and tribulations that that's going to make them realize that, you know, that wasn't maybe the best thing for them, or maybe it was the best thing for them at that time because it helped them grow as a person. Because I, I would venture to say that, um, the the same girl that I was talking about right now, my ex, um, it was the perfect time for us to date because we were both. Kind of young, kind of stupid, still learning. And then at the end of the day, we learned a lot. Like, I know I learned a lot about myself through that relationship and, like, like found out more about who I was and who I wanted to be and, and what I was looking for in a partner, you know. And I I would definitely have to say she felt the same way or feels the same way. Yeah. Right. So did you guys uh, – I know at some point we had a small discussion about Jedi <laughs> and English and Spanish. Did you guys – Get some deets on that. Yes. Thanks to Eddie. Eddie I made just, me research it. Yeah, I found an article that, yeah, I sent Brian, but um, I didn't read the article, dude. I just looked at the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, I, yeah. and you sent a screenshot, so it's not like I could read the article either. So Wait, I sent a screenshot? It looked like a screenshot to me. I don't know. No, it, it was like the link. Oh, really? Then you could click, like a, like a YouTube oh, okay. link where you can... Because I thought open I thought I had clicked it and all it did was open a picture. Oh, well, I didn't um, try, so I thought it, it looked like a link to me. <laughs> I don't know if we clarified this or not for the listeners, but um, it could be annoying if we didn't. So I'm just gonna do it just in case. True. But yeah, it's for we're trying to figure out if the new Star Wars Episode Eight movie, um, because it's titled The Last Jedi, if that means the Last Jedi in the plural sense or in the singular sense. Oh. Because Jedi can um, go for both of those things. So I said on a previous podcast that didn't make it. So that's why that's why I kind of segue this way. But we can continue. It's fine. We're we're on the subject of Jedi, wondering if it's plural or not. So we can continue. Anyway, (laughs) yes, I've been wondering if it's plural or singular um, for this use for the title of the movie. And so we were discussing this, I guess, at a time earlier than than now, and uh, (laughs) obviously because we didn't discuss it in In the the future. That I know but of. did we? <laughs> will we? <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. I and so I was go. saying that wait till they release the movie title in a foreign language because some foreign languages, like Spanish, for instance, that tends to reveal itself um, within how they have to spell the word because it'll take on that different plural or singular meaning, right? So um, I'm honestly not even sure who wrote the article. It could be a whole bunch of horseshit. I don't know what I said to you. It could be fake news for all I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, apparently I think it was the uh, German and one other language. Spanish. In Spanish. Okay, so the movie titles in Spanish and German revealed that it's actually plural. Yeah. Yeah, so you posted, I just confirmed it was a screenshot of your Facebook feed. Um, 
Hmm. So then that made me go research it, but I couldn't find anything on Google.com. So I had to go to Google.com.mx. And and then when I did that, I, I put in, you know, Star Wars in Spanish. And uh, I found some article that said that uh, the official title for the movie in Spain is going to be Los Ultimos Jedi. Ah. Like, yeah, plural. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm not like super into star wars like even this deep so right. what does that mean now, now that it's multiple does that mean anything yes it means that luke skywalker isn't the last jedi okay there's somebody be- besides him that's a jedi okay there's more than one there's more yeah, than one. i definitely need clarification um well versus sorry so did, well did you go see the force awakens yeah like episode the, seven yeah 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 so it's um it's the follow-up to um like episode six like it continues on that time span i right. guess and so now there's no more Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. So they're wondering, what the fuck, mate? So Luke Skywalker is just like all secluded like a loner um, for no good reason, just on this planet. And so, um, like, yeah, he's the last Jedi, but now we know it's Los Ultimos Jedi. Yeah, there's so more than one. Crazy. Would yeah. that be a mind trick where, like, maybe, you know, like, okay, do you think that before, of course, obviously before releasing, like, they had to make sure that all these titles – Makes sense. Yes. Well, yeah. Man, you said mind trick. I thought about Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa. That, that would only make sense. Such a like, nerdy like comment. That, yeah. <laughs> okay, but, no, but but yeah, like you know, like like a legal maybe a legality thing. I don't well, know if that would fall into that necessarily, I really, but I don't know because I know that I think the article I was reading said that the official title was the Last Jedi, but of course, then they have to. You know, they, have, they have to translate it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody checks to, like, maybe change the title in other languages so it doesn't reveal this little secret, I guess. Yeah. Because by the title in, in English, you'd think that maybe they were trying to hide the fact whether it was plural or... Because if they really wanted to write out and say there's more than one last Jedi, then somehow they'd, they'd fit it into the title. But they kind of want to make it a little ambiguous. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if they check for that in other languages. Apparently not. I mean, there's just... Is there any way you can without just saying what it is, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It depends, on, I guess, on what they're trying to. Because if it wasn't Los Ultimos Jedi, it'd be El Ultimo yeah. Jedi, right? So there's yeah. no getting around that. I mean, you got to do one or the other, so. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, then they could have chosen a completely different title for it if they didn't want to reveal whether it was one or more than one Jedi. Just Jedi. Star Wars, Episode Eight, Jedi, Jedi. My uh, my brother makes fun of this all the time. There is this establishment. I won't say the name, but it's the one that keeps opening and closing and opening and closing and opening and closing, and it's by the movies. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's if, fair. Um, if you live in Edinburgh, Texas, then you know exactly what establishment I am talking about. Anyway, so at one point. Um, you know, they had a band playing there, and I guess it was going to be like their weekly like residency band, like it's their house band or whatever. And um, so it just said the name of the band and no other information. Like, no time, no date, just boom, band. That's they could have put, put a stage time at least. At least. <laughs> or like a sound check time. Just always. Whenever you come by, they're there. Yeah, so my brother Justin makes fun of that all the time. He goes... When, where, <laughs> what time, shotgun band. 
And they're like, that's it. <laughs> 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 it's like one of our like many little isms that we do that we always like it comes back up, circulates. Yeah, dude, I was just talking to Brian. I I don't know if it was after the gym or around around the gym time that I I cannot wait to have Justin on. I'm I'm we're building up to it, Justin. When you're listening to this episode, uh, we're definitely building up to it. Um, I just rewatched Interstellar last night, and it's put some different some new perspective compared to when I first watched it, which was over about a year ago. So I've only watched it twice in the span of a year, and uh, I definitely want to get deeper into that. I'm I'm hoping to. Have a good, have a great conversation uh, dealing with science and stuff. It should be even better now because I um, checked out this book for him at the library. It's um, I'm, I'm not gonna remember the exact title, but it, it's by this like world famous, world renowned like is it renowned or renowned? Ren- I think it's renowned. Yeah, renowned, renowned, renowned Jedi. Um, yeah, astrophysicists or whatever. This dude's just like way up there. So he talks about. If we were to make, like, um, like laser ray guns and time travel and teleportation, if all that were actually possible, this is how it would be possible. And he explains the physics of it. Mm. So, yeah, I checked out that book for him, and he started on it tonight. So hopefully by tomorrow he can, like, give me the scoop. Hopefully by tomorrow shit. he'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> Just laid on. That's cool. Man, that'd be awesome. Like, even if it takes him a month to finish it, which is around the time. That's about the timeline that we're going to have him on here. Um, that would be a great segue for him too to just lay out all those facts or like at least inform- lay out all the information that he got from that. I know for me personally, whenever I read, I found that so I don't have to so that I can read it three times. Like the first within the first two times, I start making notes already of like okay, first perception, okay, second perception, okay, my third time that I'm actually like grasping this up in my head, not just reading a paper that I've written notes on. Um, so I'm curious to what his first take will be on, on this particular subject and whatever information he gains from this book. Hmm. Speaking of uh, particular takes, I'm not sure if I mentioned this yet, but I feel like um, one out of maybe every 50 or 75-ish people that think Ernest Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms is just bullshit. <laughs> like, it's a, supposed to be like this classic you know, piece of American literature. And I mean, it is, it's an enjoyable book. I enjoyed reading it. Like the story was interesting. It had me in it. Like the days leading up to me finishing it, like all I wanted to do was just finish it because I wanted to know how it ended. Mm -hmm. But people say it's like this badass love story. Like it's awesome. And like the way it ends is like, you know, so morose that it's like, it just leaves you dwelling on it that much more. And for me, I found the protagonist, uh, and his lover, you know, to be like dumb as shit, <laughs> like mm. <laughs> um, entertaining, but um, clearly infatuated with each other and not a good love story, but a good story of infatuation. Hmm. Really so good it, story. It, it ended up being infatuation and lust. I think so. Okay. So the way, the way I would sum up the characters is the male protagonist, the, um, the American guy who drives an ambulance for uh, the Italian army in World War I. Um, that dude is totally fucking cynical, just like self-absorbed and like just a super obnoxious drunk, just going with the flow of things, not thinking about how his actions affect others whatsoever. That's how I would like summarize that character. And for the girl, I think uh, his lover, you know, his romantic interest, 
Um, I think she is just psychotic, batshit crazy, also just doesn't think shit through, and is kind of the opposite of him in the sense that he's more self-serving and she's more like selfless. Like she, she's too selfless. Like she wants to serve others before she serves herself. So they sound like a bunch of twenty-year-old millennials, right? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though, and there are moments like in their relationship in the in the book how the story progresses that I'm just cringing because it's so fucking awkward. And then I watch the movie afterwards, and I'm like, no, that is not how I portrayed it in my head. <laughs> that is not how it happened. Damn it. Interesting. I, I was going to bring up how it reminds me a little bit of uh, Suicide Squad. It was the Joker, and what was her name? Oh, Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Harley Quinn. Like, it, like Similar to that where he's like real self-observant. He, she wants to serve him in the, in the case of the movie, but like mm-hmm. even with those characters in the Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Man, uh, that's actually probably the, the, the most, well, I don't know. At, le- at least in like the comic universe, um, that's probably one of the best... Um, comparisons you could make because the joker is super it's the first thing that came to my mind super suicide squad self-centered and and actually i think suicide squad the movie does a bad job at representing that i remember you mentioned that as soon as the movie came out and i was like okay like i i even then i remember i I don't know if i told you or not but i know for sure luis i was like man i don't have enough information i don't read comics that's not my that's not my thing so i trust when brian tells me something i I trust when eddie tells me about when you guys bring up star wars now it's like okay like that's cool like you know regardless of my input, it's it's very minimal, and I'm and I'm okay with that. You know, just like okay, cool, and interesting that, you know, that they had a different perception for the movie. You know, they wanted to change that. And when you said right now, the Ernest Hemingway, no, that's not the way it happened, or that's not the way you perceived it to happen. And interesting that it came out this way. You know, I kind of I kind of tie that also to uh, certain music videos. Like I know uh, if for our listeners that have seen uh, heard first the the song uh, "Touch" by Josh Abbott Band. And then when you watch the move, the movie, well, yeah, mini movie, because they did, I, I, I dig it, just because it had to do with like military, and you know, it had that effect on it. Um, definitely put that twist on it. And I was like, dang, like I, it's a love song, all right, but they took it to like the next level where uh, Josh Abbott is the military person who then, you know, I think he steps in an IED or something, and you know, and then like, you know, years later now for me, where that's so like, really pers- personal. Not personal. That's not the because per- I've never been through that. It's a very real feeling that I feel for the people who have gone through that, and the books I've read, and the people I've met. Now, 2016, 2017, uh, definitely ties into that. But anyways, going back to the just the perception thing between music videos and the song, uh, I know that was one of them that definitely like, oh dang, like okay, totally the, twist. Yeah, that reminds me of like Whiskey Lullaby, that video too. Yes, yes. Yeah. The song does not mention at all itself like anything having to do with military but the video is totally that yeah and that's a good one that's a very that's a good one that you bring up i like that heartstrings yeah it's very. Good. i wonder if josh abbott band does that on purpose because she will be free is another one that's yes like super like not what you expected from the video i think because of the reaction that allowed them to broaden their audience with touch mm-hmm. they then okay we're gonna hit this and evan evan kaufman i think is the producer's name the one who has the, the idea man behind those videos where he's like okay he's always he's he's always the one looking for a twist and i believe he's done if not rascal flats or some he's done a mainstream artist where he does a twist in the song and i was like damn like that good cool i 
with his work, I've learned to appreciate a twist and getting my arm twisted over a song. Because yeah. like, oh, I hear this. And it's like, oh, my God, another one, uh, Here Comes Goodbye by Rascal Flats. It wasn't Evan Coppins. It was just a song by Rascal Flats. That when you hear the song, initially it's called Here Comes Goodbye. So you think it's a love song. And the movie, the I think the dad and then the son end up passing away. And then the mother and the grandma are like alive. So like that's like the twist, and like for that one hit me hard because for whatever reason when that song came out, it got me pretty good. Like I actually I paid attention to it. That was one of the few Rascal Flatts songs. Once it started going really poppy, that was one of the ones that drew me back to them. Like, okay, they drew me back in. They got me again, right? And then, uh, but then watching the video and comparing it or seeing that Josh Abbott twist to it, it's like oh dang, like that, I I dig it now. I mean I I'm definitely a fan a fan of that. I will say though. It really ticks me off to no end. This is going to be completely off the music video and just focusing on the song now. Okay. When certain artists or songwriters write a song that has no intention of being like a military dedication kind of song, okay. but then they go out in public and spin it as one. That shit pisses me off. I couldn't agree it's, more. It's I think like, I know what you're talking about. And when heard it live, and I was like, "You motherfucker!" Damn. I and and this was recent, right? This was like within 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Continue, and I'll try to. I'll fill in in a bit. I feel like we're on the same wavelength here, as far as what example we're thinking of. Yeah. But um, I could think of a lot, but the one in my head, I I feel like you're thinking of too. But yeah, man, it's almost like some weird, awkward sense of like stolen valor, almost. If I had to compare it to anything. I mean, it's not Stolen Valor, but it feels ugly in that way. You know? Like, it just, it's terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I hate seeing that. Something like that, I would, I don't want to say never, but I would, for now, I'll say never. For now, I'll say never. I would never recommend Eddie to use that to boost up his songs or song. Now on a band to band like bandmate to bandmate level I'd be like hey guys if you guys need some like enthusiasm okay well think about this military situation that maybe you can connect it to and then we can use that to then play it better right or change the perception whatever for, for us but to do that in public and especially in the meat of 2016 when I was just diving into book after book and I was I mean I I read I don't know maybe 6 7 books in 6 months of military books and so to be on just that mind in and out, because I would take my books with me. When we went to, when we went out of town a few times with Eddie and went to Nashville, I took, I bought books at McKay's Music Store in Tennessee, and then I had already had books. You know, like I have books to read. So, when this particular example that Eddie is talking about, and I was like, "Come on, like don't do that now." And of course, everybody's clapping. And yeah, you were saying something, and I, I'm. It has nothing to do with the response. It has to do with the initiation of why, of using that to boost your song write a song meet some people go to the uso go do that sorry really pisses <laughs> me off no it's good no it's good <laughs> uh, i, I i'm kind of glad okay we're done <laughs> yeah it's kind of okay because i know these past two weeks i've dove way in i feel like i segued this past week's episode with gonzo pretty well to where it stayed uh moderate but i know week four definitely you know hit a curb and went this way hard and uh i don't apologize for it because that's life i mean that that's the shit people are doing and that's why i didn't cut it out fine i had a pause in between i i let, I let it be known 
but I, you know, I'm in nowhere sorry for that. I'm sorry for the people who had to deal with that. You know, the people who actually experienced that. But for the peop for the Facebookers and the, the social media guys, social media people, not just guys, social media people that have their phones out on a hundred percent basis and they do shit like that. You know, that's different. You know, that we can move forward from. Hopefully, people listening will include that in their one percent of, you know trying to get better and focusing on themselves you know a little more every day agreed don't know if you wanted to get into this um for this episode or not but the uh grammy article I <laughs> yeah sent i have you. it on here no i have it on here i was gonna get it we can we can uh, do that now perfect perfect go well yeah go go ahead go ahead i've got to let out a long groan for that one <laughs> so um ann powers writes for npr um i'm not sure if she's exclusive to npr or not Anyway, they're casual. <laughs> they're casual. Um, she wrote this article basically saying that Beyonce getting snubbed at the Grammys happened because Beyonce's black and for no other reason. And oh my God, that pisses me off to no end. I'm really tired of all that. Like people just trying to blame, like, you know, or, or people just trying to take it into like cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? Is that what that is? Cultural appropriation? Would this be a scenario where that I is think so. applicable? That's a good word, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God, it's What got me, I mean, pre that article, before I segue into my next point, is, so they did the Beyonce thing, and then they had Dr. Who, it was Dr. Dre and who? After when they did like that, you know, they obviously it was a very uh, public announcement to the media you know, about how they think they're perceived and this stuff and whatnot. And, of course, at, by the end, a bunch of uh, media sources had, oh, Dr. Dre and whoever that band was or group was, um, oh, they, you know, let it be known, this and that. And I'm like, okay, they did let it be known, but is is that going to help not just change, but is that going to help? reduce the fire that's already existent here in the in the i'm talking about in the violent ways i'm talking about detroit and chicago and like these like i don't know if baltimore is still bad but i know at one point baltimore was yeah. bad and that's only an example i bring up because of the stories i've heard recently with peter tia and stuff like that um and i i didn't even know john hop john hopkins was there like it's in baltimore that's, that's pretty it's just interesting but anyways so yes you're taking a stand you're letting it be known oh culture diversity and you know whatnot but does that help move anything does shooting a cop make you a better person and maybe at right now in this moment i'm talking to that those direct people who maybe think like oh yeah black, black er, and of course now the cliche is all lives matter which yes but it's too much talking and when and now if dr dre's uh move on the grammys with the group does impact people to make a move now is it violent and is it going to help in a, is it going to help in a good way to get out of that and these are prior rhetorical questions right now that we're going to obviously see we're, we'll see if there's more re rebuttal and more uh, retaliation that's what i was looking for retaliation but that's what struck me and when that of course when when they were doing their performance they rarely had any cameras on the on the audience like they're playing to a majority of you know mainstream artists and stuff that maybe even Beyonce she's what a billion dollar person 
I would assume close, so. If not, if, a not bi- if not a, if not a billion dollar person, it's definitely a billion dollar family. Yes, definitely with Jay Z and her, and that's great. And I'm sure they are helping charities. I'm sure they are helping, but still letting the citizens that live day to day in a extreme, you know, in extreme circumstances, and letting that still be, that's where I don't get it. Because even when Eddie sent me this, um. I def I I oh and I kind of already seen like a uh, just a meme or something of uh, the CNN article. I don't know if that's real or not. Do you know that's real, Eddie? That the CNN meme. Did you see that? It was like CNN media or something like that. But it was on tw- it was quote unquote posted on Twitter, and it's showing Adele with her five Grammys and uh, Beyonce with her two. And like according to that article writer, she was it was, I think it was a she, but she wrote. Uh, about racism. It was one of the initiators that then when you sent me NPR, like, oh, wow, NPR actually wrote about it. Like, that's like, it kind of took me for that whirlwind. So, yeah. Go ahead. Well, it, it pisses me off because she's trying to blame all this on race. And I'm not trying to say like, like that I don't think we have like a, that I don't think we don't have a racism problem. Yeah, there's always going to be racist. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to fully get rid of that. Um, I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever actually do it. Um, but we can sure as hell try to get super close. Um, anyway, but to blame this on racism is just horseshit, man. And all of her points were just like, stop. Like you're trying to make a, you're trying to make a problem out of something that isn't a problem. Right, right, right. In my opinion, anyway, like she, um, one of the first examples she uses to try to pin it as racism is, um, of course, like Adele used her acceptance speech for, uh, for album of the year. Um, saying like that Beyonce basically got snubbed or whatever, you know, that it should be Beyonce's award. And um, so the author decided to call that or label Adele's speech as disruptive mm. um, because it wasn't the typical acceptance speech, like of thank yous and shit. So um, she calls it disruptive, but it's okay for Adele to be disruptive because she's white. It's not okay for <laughs> Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay for Kanye to be disruptive. Um, you know, because he's black. It's like, no, it's not okay for Kanye to be disruptive because when Kanye disrupted a speech, it wasn't his fucking speech. Yeah, and it was literally in the middle. There's right. a difference still. And even then, like, the, ca- the camera half the time was on Beyonce, so it's not like... And, it, and another thing, before I... G- I still have a point to make up, to bring up, Eddie. I still have a point beyond at the end of this, but it's not like no one knows who Beyonce is. Everybody knows who Beyonce is. My mom brought up, like, because, of course, my mom doesn't know who Beyonce is. And she's like, how, is she still popular? I'm like, mom, she will be popular forever. Forever. There is no doubt in my conscious mind that she, her and Jay, and then they're, okay, telling, uh, backtracking just a bit, Eddie, where, um, you, is it her dad? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not going to remember his, his full name. But Mr. Knowles, um, because they're from Houston, so he owns a recording studio in Houston, or like a record label in Houston, not even a recording studio, like a full-on record label in Houston. And they own a variety of music. Like, he bought the catalog of, like, some old country label, like an indie country label that that has, like, Towns Van Zandt records and a Hayes Carl record, Mm -hmm. which Hayes Carl is like Texas music singer-songwriter. Yeah, and he's out of Beaumont, Houston. Americana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And And so, yeah. And so, like, literally whenever Hayes Carl wants to print more copies of Flowers and Liquor, one of his, um, 
you know, first major albums, full-length albums that he put out when he was super young, um, he has to go call up Beyonce's dad and be like, hey, I need your permission to print more records and sell them. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's nuts how that, that ties in. Yeah, and and for those listening that aren't in the music industry, I mean, this is very minimal insight. This is just one record label owned by one person who happens to be the dad of Beyonce. Yeah. And there's so much, like, pull with that. Right. And a lot of people don't know about that. And, and we're not here to, like, bash anything. And I don't even know if, even if revealing stuff, but, like, it's those small things that make the big difference that people don't know about in this case where Beyonce's dad owns a record label that now Hayes Carl for those who don't know who, he, he's Texas country artist or Americana Eddie uh, yeah I mean or what, somewhere or, in between the two or so whatever let's, let's say Americana tech, you know he's he's from Texas he plays great music I mean he has he's definitely has his own thing going forever since he started um, but the point is like all those connections for three different people that Two of those people are billion-dollar people. Yeah. You know, as a family, which are the, the No family and then Jay-Z. You know, Jay-Z with his all the things that he got into, you know, uh, business-wise, even that. Because at some point he bought, like, Beats, didn't he? Like, didn't he have that? Do you know, remember, Ryan? Or did He's he got, uh, well, that's Dr. Dre. Right, it's Dr. Dre, but Jay-Z him, has Tidal, okay. which is another streaming And doesn't he have, service. Like, Rockaware or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is I it Rockaware? Company. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So like like and that that's a good I guess business thing where you know when you're in multiple multiple uh, industries and getting it all done that I mean it's a hell of a way to get after it I mean it they're not in the wrong for wanting what they want cuz they got it they worked for it you know it took them you know the the beginnings of their careers to where they're at now where they're you know and they're still making stuff it's not like they're stopping they're just having more right. more fun with it yeah not discrediting um their hard work right absolutely hard work. they're both um all of them are fucking talented yeah. and fucking legendary and like you were saying your mom's asking you like people still know who beyonce is or whatever it's like yeah like no she has left her fucking stamp yeah it's and it's done now it's awesome not saying she's not deserving of the yeah Grammy. it's not her fault just, yeah or whatever. just saying that you know, she didn't get the Grammy, um, you know, not because, like, people are racist. Right. You know? when, when media people do this and try to stir up a fuss because they have a certain opinion. Now, I'm all about free speech. I'm all about everything that everybody preaches about why their opinion is better. <laughs> so that's why they use the free speech, right? Yeah. But still, still, like, that just stirs up another problem that then trickles down. You know, to the to the to the to the bare citizens that then live day to day as quote unquote normal people. Well, because then it makes it easier for people to play the victim mentality, mm-hmm. and I hate when people play the victim mentality. It gets you nowhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It does nothing for anyone, you or your peers. Right, right, right. Like it just makes everything harder. It makes everything. Uh, it makes everybody go fr- grow more frustrated with each other. You know, yeah. you start blaming people. People don't like getting blamed. Do you, okay, for everybody listening, do you like getting blamed? How do you, pay attention to when you get blamed. When you maybe thought you were in the right and you end up being in the wrong for that certain system and they call you out. That little instant dissatisfaction in your body that you feel, which is an actual, like, indoor, like it's not endorphin, it's a hormone, like, being released. I don't know what hormone it is. There has to be, it's obviously a hormone because it's, it's a physical feeling. 
because you you say your heart like you uh metaphorically say your heart drops and then you feel that that, that sucky feeling and it's hard to kind of get your head out of it it's a chemical change in your right body, it's but... a chemical imbalance that happens for that second that takes a little bit of time to rebalance but it makes that effect it's a physical feeling that is developed by something that somebody else said um last thing i want to do on this npr racism stuff eddie you're gonna be my guinea pig go okay so you sent you emailed me the article i think sunday night or monday around monday. there okay so monday so from there you then messaged me wednesday or thursday saying you had to write it like you, you didn't post it publicly but you had said oh, I, I need to write something and uh so, so, so you can let it off your chest yeah, I ended up writing a whole like essay like on my notes app in my phone. Yeah. I just wrote a whole response essay, not to share it or post it with mm-hmm. anyone or anything, just for my own sanity because I needed to Right, right. I needed to bash it. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> not right. like not bash it, but I needed to let out my own thoughts on why I thought she is entirely wrong. Right, right. Because okay. she goes down a list of several things that um, you know, she's basically making the claim that Music uh, or like the Recording Academy, the Grammys are like full of systemic racism, and here's why. And she tries to like tie this all the way down the line to history, where white people stole blues, gospel, soul, and funk music <laughs> from black that. people. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, fuck off! Like, you c- if you really want to do that, then we have to go all the way back to who came up with a major scale, who came up with a pentatonic scale, who created the blue scale, yeah. who who it thought of, you know, the 12 notes that we have in our, um, you know, Western, you know, um, notation system now. Mm-hmm. You want to take it all the way that far then? Yeah. Because then we really have to say, okay, well, then we stole everything from this one person who came up with it. Yeah, so, with all that theory. You know, stuff. like, yeah. that's, that's what we would inevitably have to do mm-hmm. with that argument. And okay, sure, like, I'm not going to say that black people didn't, like, have anything to do with the creation of blues or soul or funk music. Obviously, they, um, you know, brought that into light mm-hmm. in a really cool, badass way. It's badass music, yeah. like, made by badass people. And yes, we borrow from it and use it. And it's influenced other genres, like the Stones and James Brown and a whole bunch of shit. But, like, it, it goes back, man. It just keeps going back, back, further and further. And you just can't stop at that point without acknowledging the rest of it. Like... Okay, black people invented jazz or blues or whatever. Okay, like where did they get the instruments for that? White people. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> right, 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 it, right. It's going to keep going back. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't stop just to satisfy your argument. Be- and because that's been the evolution of humanity. Right. You know, even here where we did have, for people who are like, I mean, I'm not saying don't feel, don't have an opinion on it, but don't, don't bring it back now in 2017 saying, oh, back in slave you know bringing up slavery and stuff that happened back then we've evolved from then like like stop using that that i mean is that is that good is that okay to say yeah and but i i can understand where there is like um systemic racism Mm -hmm. that is still existing within some confines of the country i can totally acknowledge that um even the dude that i hate like with the passion of like a thousand sons or whatever the fire of a thousand sons right (laughs) um michael wood (laughs) Michael Wood Jr. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God, I can't stand that guy. Uh, yeah. But he does make some valid points that about systemic racism yeah. in um in Baltimore specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Baltimore. He was part of all that stuff back in the day. So yeah, and he has that insight that I don't. So I'm just gonna say it's safe it's okay. to say, take his word for it. And mm-hmm. okay, it it adds up when he says it. Sounds legit. But I also uh, you know, and I'll agree with that. But I do disagree with about ninety eight percent of things he says. Yeah. Um. um 
Yeah. Hold on, let me continue with you being my guinea pig. Yeah. So okay, so we've dip, so from months so from watching this watching the Grammys Sunday, you sent me this article. You emailed it to me on Monday. Sunday, sorry, then Monday you emailed me the article. Wednesday, you wrote your spill on this matter, right? This article. So, how was working with Katie Baisden and getting work done with Katie Baisden? That was badass. And you got a lot of work done. We, yeah, well, she was in town for a couple of days. And, yeah, man, we had a ball. It was, it was great. It was a lot of fucking fun. Like, we wrote a song. Um, like, we went out. We drank a lot, um, which is getting stuff done, I guess. Um, well, it's it's part of it's part of going in. Well, having a good time you haven't seen it in a while. We, I know, I, I mean, I only got to see that once when we were at the basement in Nashville. That was, I don't yeah. know if that's the last time you saw her. I mean, I, I assume so. Well, I guess for everybody listening, um, Katie Baisden is uh, one of my good friends from college, from Belmont University. Um, she hails from North Carolina. I forget what season on The Voice she was on. I'm such a terrible friend. But she made it fucking far. Like, it was recent, was, like two seasons ago, I think. Yeah, like she was a finalist, goddammit. She did awesome. <clears throat> she killed it. Yes. And I got to hear her album before that. And that was cool. Thanks to Eddie, of course. But when her album came out, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And then even Gonzo, on, after practice on Wednesday, he's like, Eddie, I quit. <laughs> I'm going to go work for her. <laughs> so, Katie, if you're out there. Uh, anyways, but anyway, going back. Yeah, like, like her music was main. So, yeah, she was on The Voice. Continue. Yeah, and um, so she's uh, been a good friend of mine since we uh, since we met and started hanging out in college. And uh, she hails in Nashville now. She lives in Nashville. And um, she was down here in our little slice of Texas. And I do mean very little slice of Texas. Um, performing here at the, at the local university, at University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. So she did one performance here at the Edinburgh campus and then one in Brownsville. So she was in town for a couple days. And I was like, dude, just come crash with me and my folks. So she just crashed over there. We got to catch up, write a song. Um, shit kind of hit the fan on the first gig, and I ended up trying to run sound. <laughs> so. hey, it's awesome. That's the only way you learn, bro. Yeah, pretty much. No, but um, I guess I'll let you uh, take it away with where you're going with this. But, yeah, we, uh, we got a lot done, and it was really cool just to catch up with an old friend and, like, reminisce about, like, college days and – talking about where everyone's at now where we're at now personally you know in our lives and our journey um not just as like musicians or artists or songwriters but like just as people personal yeah yeah personal like life, personal. beyond the career yeah. um so, so where i'm going with this is that okay for those two days that you okay even mine's drinking you, you said you got like emails done you got you got the the for the new record you got all that stuff you're getting that taken care of in those days you guys wrote a song which i mean sometimes that takes a long time you know sometimes it takes a day to write a song fine so for those two days I now see it as like, luckily you had those two days in your way because imagine had you put yourself into that article for two days and how much time you would have lost. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. You're my guinea pig. Cause when you tell me, and I didn't think about this till maybe last night, maybe this morning, maybe interstellar or this morning's time um, is when I thought I'm like, man, like it's, it just took me to a, a very general perspective of like, okay, Eddie, like, I mean, I'm not saying not to feel bothered by it but it's incredible how much time it took from then being productive maybe writing half a song maybe continuing your vocalizing so you can get back to your norm you know your normal self but that that's all i want to say that's why i'm saying you're my guinea pig because i like i said i didn't think about it till like last night this morning in that where you had to put aside how long did it take you to write the essay uh maybe it took me 
I don't know, 20 minutes because I was going like just list by list every time she brought up a new point and explained okay, it. You... Then I would analyze okay. and either agree, disagree. And if I agreed, I put why. And if I disagreed, I put why. Okay, so you went as far as like let's let's just say labeling each point that, that got you right and then you you went on about that point so to me that's already a lengthy script like or it's, it's already a lengthy paper right and so that's that's my only point and that's why i say you're my guinea pig in this situation because at the beginning i was like man like okay all these points and this of course i i do not agree with this npr thing i'm like it's ridiculous like and of MP, i mean for npr to let that be a part of their vision or like their brand because NPR is very well known. They do a lot of stuff for music. And to let that be a part of a section. Just because just because maybe. Just maybe they want hits. They want likes. They want people to come to their page. They want clicks. Well, it definitely got my attention. Right, right. Um, and it got your attention for, for not maybe not a substantial amount of time. But it got your attention nonetheless. And lasted from Monday when you sent me that article. That you read that article. To Wednesday when you finally wrote your piece. And then you, you know, then moved on. And that's my only point, is that time that it took away from you. Yeah. And that we could have used for, or you could have used for, I mean, some, any, I mean, literally, go drinking more with Katie Bazin or something, right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, it, like I said, it's just something, it's just a, it's just a very third-person uh, detachment. I mean, I'm, I wasn't there, you know. I, and for me, when you, I, you sent me something last night, and I was like, sorry if I'm short on words. I'm watching Interstellar. <laughs> and so, like, for me, like, it was hard to just put sentences together last night. And then when you sent me that, I was like, it's, it was kind of a lot. Because I I, while I read it, you know, I, I also, with like you, I do like, if I, if I see the first, if it gets me the beginning, I'll read it three, four times the article. Like, I read books. Like, now I read books three times. You know, if I can do it three times, I'm good with three times. But... So that's me. So when at the beginning I didn't have much to say, then by Wednesday I was like, man, like it, it really affected Eddie. And then by last night this morning I was like, okay, wait, we just lost you. We you just lost time. And that that's all I that's all I I did want to point out because it's going back to Interstellar with time and gravity and everything. You know, it's 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 an interesting thing that happened. You know, yeah, it happened. And then, um, well, funny enough, me and Katie ended up writing a song <coughs> about time, mm -hmm. and specifically <laughs> about time you don't get back. Yeah. So. Um, oh man. Yeah. I hate, <laughs> I hate not getting back time. Honestly, like I don't we're know. We're always not getting back time. This is this is so strange that you know we're bringing up time, when like, I think in the last probably two days, I was just thinking about that, about time, and it's like. Man, that's to me. That's like my most valuable asset, I guess you could call it. Even though we all have it, mm -hmm. like my time, it's like, man, I, I, you can't really ask me to put a, a price on my time, and and that sounds really kind of like self-centered, no? But like you really like when you can't just get more time, right? And okay, well, I I do agree as far as the self-centered is. I know I know I feel about that. But for me, well, I don't know if you can use this, but I think you'd use it already because you have your solitude and you have your, you have your social time. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I think maybe, maybe you already have a balance of that. I try. Because I know the way I, it's easy, quote unquote, for me because I'm working either with kids or with adults at minimum, at minimum three to four hours a day at minimum. Whether it's with kids or adults, or kids and adults, you know, eight hours with kids and three, three, hour, three, four hours with adults. Mm -hmm. But then I come home and I'm editing the podcast, or I'm doing something on my own, 
you know so i don't know if it it may sound self-centered but i feel like we do interact though with our time because you could choose not to work out you could choose to not work you could choose a different job you're in a corner desk like literally no windows or no whatever you know you can't see out but even your even in your office where you have a window, you can see who's in the hallway or whatever for the most right, right? Yeah, just yeah. you have you have at least a window. So while it may sound self centered, I think uh, our time is being at least used with moderation of everything. Because there are extreme examples of the ones who don't, the ones who are only by themselves, or the ones who are out too much and don't focus on themselves at all, or then going back to victims, what Eddie mentioned, going back to victims that, you know, it's somebody else's fault, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like maybe it sounds self-centered, and especially for everybody listening. Um, you can get back to us with your with your feedback, your opinions on this. But um, while it sounds self-centered, I think we do enough social and individual things that keeps us just enough. Because I think in our cases, we're, we're very much in the middle. Sometimes we lean one way, sometimes we lean the other way. But we're always segueing. We're always moving between that middle, and we're never too far right, too far left. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that that's that's the a perception that I hope to that everybody will grasp. You know, in in this segment where you're talking about, you know, your most valuable asset is time. Yeah, hell yeah. That's one of those hell yeahs. You know, it's it's either it is or it's not. And it's like, oh, I don't have time. Well. You know, like I, I, I caught myself doing that this week, and he, and my mom got me. She's like, "You don't have time." <laughs> she caught me. I was like, right. Shit, "I don't make time." I'm like, "You're right. Yeah. Absolutely right." And it was, it was something, something had. I mean, obviously, my, I think it had something to do with my room. Uh, for people who would be here, I mean, it's a mess, obviously. But, um, but anyways, but yeah, she caught me, and I was like, "No, you're right. Absolutely." Because that's something I was. If she would tell me that, I was gonna, I would make it known too. I would make it known. Like, okay, okay, you don't have time, or what else are you doing that you can cut? You know, what else can you maybe lower or cut out completely? Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have to cut it out completely, but, you know, just minimize that time that you're using on that. Yeah, because think about something we all have in common with some of the most successful people in this world is the amount of hours in one day. And we all, you know, we just use it differently. Like, I forget when, um, um, one I forget where I was and who this was that that we were kind of talking and then uh, I said I said something that I did for fun and they were like, "Man, you have a lot of time on your hands." I was like, "I have the same amount of time as you do. I just use it, you know, the way I want." Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say while you're thinking Go of ahead. that. Um, was uh, the video that you shared on Facebook, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. I don't know if I'm still yes. pronouncing that right mm-hmm. or wrong, but where he's talking about the weekends, yes. and he's like, he doesn't understand how people just live for the weekends. I was like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> and he left, I was like, yes. Yeah, like that could not be more accurate. And that's like one of those things that like has kind of been sitting in the back of my mind, but I hadn't completely like constructed same, the thought yet. Same, same, dude. You know? Same, same, same. When he like, said living for the weekends, I'm like that's the shit. Like that's 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 what I was yeah. trying to say. <laughs> it's like it because I have like felt that feeling before, where I just feel sorry for anybody that's like it's like you hate your life so much that you have to wait until Friday or Saturday for it to get better right. or to make it better. Yeah, it's like Can no, just make it better so it's better seven days a week. Like oh, yeah, man, and preach le- it. Going back to time, 
it, what I was going to bring up is uh, in the, in this video. So Wednesday I was feeling a little and, you know, and uh, so I had so I watched this. I usually I've now tried to stay away from like motivational videos. You know, like I try to find my will. You know, I, I try to pull it out of, you know, myself because like, OK, I, I need to, I need to have stuff to get done. It's like I don't have things to get done. But but I did click on this particular video, and uh, I know like uh, McGregor comes out, that UFC fighter, Conor McGregor comes out, and then Tony Robbins and some other people that I don't remember the names, but Tony Robbins and Conor McGregor are, are people that I do recognize with. So at some point, this uh, narrator he talks about, you have the same 24 hours as Oprah Winfrey, you have the same 24 hours as Bill Gates. It's like everybody has at least 24 hours, at least 24 hours, even if. With, I mean, okay, as adults, even if you only live one day as an adult, or when you figure out that you're an adult at like 21, 22, and then evolving from there, you know, and then making choices, start start making choices, start start developing that habit of making choices. So, uh, yeah, what I was going to bring up is like the fact, you know, that 24-hour thing where Oprah has 24 hours, and I love that he uses Oprah and Bill Gates because we're going to go back to that racism, racism thing. We all have 24 hours. Jay-Z has 24 hours. Beyonce has 24 hours. Dr. Dre has 24 hours. What? We all have 24 hours. And and I know that got me good. And as soon as I saw that, I got back to work. And I finished. Whatever I had to do, it was done. And it and like I, I think I sent it to Brian. I know I sent it to Brian. And I was like, I as much as I'm trying to stay away from these cliche videos, I'm like, this one did it for me. I, I had actually watched like two, three previous ones to try to get me in. And this one was the perfect six minutes. That I was like, yes. And what got me was the Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey. Because we had just talked about the NPR thing. So all that cultural mixture was fresh in my head too. And I was like, yes, shit needs to get done. There are people that maybe need this, I hope now. Or need, or there's people that need my time. So I need to get done with what I need. Because people need me in a certain place at a certain time. Like let's say rehearsal. Let's use re rehearsal. You know, uh, this was actually after rehearsal, but even then, you know, rehearsal is time that you need me there, focus on the show, right? Whatever we're working on. Uh, Brian, as a client and me as a trainer, he needs me there mentally and physically. Not, I mean, the gym's a physical thing, but you need to be there mentally too. And so that's one thing that I know that got me. I'm like, okay, yes, people need my time, so I need to finish this now because tomorrow at, at midnight or whenever I finish editing this podcast, it needs to be done. Because I know when Gonzo wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work and he kicks his he, – I know he may not expect his podcast to be up, but I know he may be anticipating the podcast being up. And and with that, that's – I do take responsibility for that because this, this is the project that I've wanted to develop and we're finally doing it. So it is important. It's important to me to get it done. So, when it, so yeah, just telling back to the 24-hour thing and everybody having 24 hours, that's all we got every day. And then – now, I don't go as far as, okay, you never know if today's your last. I don't go that far often. I feel like you should mentally. I feel like you should. Every once in a while, put your, just put yourself in that. And I hope that does help you work a little harder, even if it's for 24 hours, only 24 hours. <laughs> but at least you're up for 24 hours getting whatever you need. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm not, it's not that I'm not interested, but this is affecting you, not affecting me. I, I, kinda, I think I always, I think that's kind of one of the general things I always come back to these last podcasts is, um, even, uh, Eddie, I still am grateful for when you said, uh, that I don't give myself enough credit. I'm like, but it's not me doing the things. So I don't, I don't need the credit. I'm not the one moving. 
I'm moving, yes, in my own direction, and I'm doing, I'm not physically talking about this, but when we're at the gym and, oh, thanks, I'm like, you did it. I'm like, you came, you put on your wraps. All I did was just push you until you threw up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like that, and like, but that's what I should be doing because you're, and I, I do take the paying personal, like paying for your service. I do take that personal, but taking it personal to that extent helps me do my job efficiently. Not only effectively. Effective is, okay, did you get your job done? Yes. Effectively, okay, what was the quality? A lot of people, um, I know I, I did learn this from Dr. I took him for quality management and I took him for uh, my capstone, which is like the last project of, the, of my career, undergrad career. And uh, he gave the same speech at the end of the year that he always gives. But anyway, when we got to when I took him for quality at one of the semesters, he asked, "What is the difference between effectiveness and, and efficiency?" And at that time, I mean, I was 21, 22, and like I didn't understand. Like I, I've used, and it's stupid because as a kid, I mean, maybe I wasn't a kid then. I was 21 or 22, but having to put those two different terms in or two similar terms in definitions that I thought maybe were the same because that's the way I would use them. Like, oh, you have to be effective and efficient. When, we're, when I was working in retail, oh, the unloading has to be effective and efficient. Okay, so they, they're obviously related, but they're two different things. Mm -hmm. To be effective is like, okay, did you get the work done? Yes or no. That's it. And efficiency, to be efficient is, okay, were you at 100%? No, I was at 98 why and then you but you build in it what i've developed now is not being oh my god why couldn't you, you only needed two percent why couldn't you get 200 no what i what i would say now is okay what do we miss why do we miss it and can we not can we make a note about it or can we fix it next time because even now like when i'm having conversations like today me uh Brian, actually with freddie too we had a conversation a little bit earlier and he was bringing up certain questions about certain topics um and I said, dude, write this down. I'm like, this is, I mean, for me, it was important because I, I know I eventually will have him on the podcast coming up with it after Justin. So maybe two, three months out. But, um, but to me, it goes back to like that, that little bit, you know, 90%, okay, you missed it. Now, why? And, you know, can we make a note? If you need to make it right, you know, write, you know, that's why we have hands. We have paper, you know. Uh, now, don't use it carelessly. I do believe in preserving and using paper efficiently. <laughs> You know, use the whole fucking paper because I know when I'm writing notes for a book or if I'm writing notes for this podcast, even if they're different subjects, I just write a line, new subject. Right. And I keep going, I keep going. And that's why like, I have so much paper now. I mean, people can't see, but I have so much paper here in my room and it's everywhere. But I'm using more and more of individual sheets that I have more paper now. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess that was my little rant on... on Paper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, just effective and e effectiveness and efficiency. efficiency. Andy cares about his paper. Don't fuck with his paper. Yeah. <laughs> really. Really though. Like, or like, okay. Here's an example, Eddie. Here's one that I can get for you. Okay. Um, charting. Make notes. When you write a chart, or I write out a chart for all of us, or whatever. That it's for notes. I mean, you can write on the paper. It's just need to ask for. I mean, I know at Music Academy we have paper. We have pens and stuff. You have pens and stuff, and I. For me personally, I take my own pen and pencil because I don't like asking for stuff if it's a, if it's a pen and pencil. That's me, right? And so in this case of writing charts, it's a paper. If you forget something, 
write it in. Brian, when you were in band and you missed a note, Mr. caught it. Or an accidental. Yeah. That rarely happened. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, but I think in, in band I had great directors that always made it a point for us, the students, to bring a pencil to practice because you were bound to make a mistake. And in order for you not to repeat that mistake, you needed to make a note of it mm-hmm. to remind you the next time until it became a habit. Right. You know? But and uh, by senior year, good to go. Yeah, definitely. So so those are just little points of being efficient. And this will go back to being 1% better every day. Take your own pencil. Take your own pen. And I'm going to take it a step further in a bit because I have a college ex- college example. But that 1%, you, could, you missed it by 2%. Maybe that those 2% was you forgetting your pen, 1%, and your pencil, 2%. Man, and you bring this up. Well, you brought it. My, you know, when you asked me, you, you brought up band. But even now, like, if I get called to my boss's office, I take a notepad and a pen, you know, to, to make a note of whatever it is they're telling me. If, you know, sometimes it's just <laughs> they ask me questions about, like, Excel or something, like, you know, and I'll answer, but I was prepared to write down something that, you know, they wanted me to take care of or whatever. Because, um, man, I didn't always do this, but w- when I did miss it, I'd hate for them to, you know, give me a directive, and then I go back to my desk, and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, what what did they say? What was it? Yeah, so now I make it a point to take a, a paper and, and pen right. um, every, anytime they call me. Right. I'm going to take this one, st- well, okay, two steps for it, but I'm going to set side side note real quick. Uh, when Jocko Willink was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and Joe Rogan pointed out, you're the first person to go into my podcast with a, what's the pad, like that, the, the yellow paper? A legal, a legal pad. pad. A legal pad. With his own pencil, not a pen, but a pencil, and jo- all Jocko says, "You never, you never know. You gotta be, pre- got, you gotta be prepared." Yeah, I'm not gonna blame our arrangement here, but I've been meaning to like bring something to write with, but I just don't know where. <laughs> so, but I'm not gonna blame it because if I want, I really wanted to take notes here while we're talking, I, I yeah. would find a way. Uh, I'm Doc eventually gonna down get down to the 98%. percent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm working on a new deal. I'm working on a new area. And I know at some point we will be at Eddie's house. So we, I'm working on that. I'm just deciding because I know I want it. I do want it to affect the podcast. You know, I want it to be uh, in that thought. But uh, anyway, but going back to uh, percentage and, you know, using pens and pencils now. An example that I know that stuck with me from college was uh, I had a professor in business comms. And his example was that, like, co- students who graduate or have graduated already, always invite them out to dinner. And then at the end of dinner, oh, sir, like, oh, doctor, like, we got this. Like, don't worry about paying. Like, don't worry about paying. We got your tab. Like, oh, we got your, your meal or whatever. And doc- and this particular doctor, he uh, he always said no. And he's like, do you know why I said no? And I was like, no, we don't know why. So he's like, because when you take something from someone like that, or, and to me, I, I take it as far as asking for a pen and pencil. That's how far I take it. That, that's, a, that's a me thing. He's like, when you ask for s- something or you give some, or you let somebody do a favor for you, you owe them a favor, whether you think so or not. And when he put it in those terms, I was like, shit, okay. Like that, that just opened up a new perspective that I liked. I kind of, no, I, I totally kind of believe in that. And I don't know if it's a culture thing, but. When I'm out with my with my friends and, you know, most of the time they'll offer to buy me a drink. I was like, all right, well, I got to get the next one. I feel obligated mm-hmm. to, even though it was just, you know, 
a favor or, or not necessarily a favor, but it was, I guess we'll consider it kind of like a gift. Yeah. You know, let me buy you a drink. I feel obligated to get the next one. Yeah. Because, and, and I don't know, I don't know if it, I haven't given it so much thought as to say that it only applies with like uh, dinner or drinks, but um, yeah, anytime somebody does something for me, mm-hmm. I do feel in debt. Right. And, and I think that's a good way to feel. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's an example that I, like I said, I now use for my pen and pencil. I don't have to ask anybody. Now, sometimes I forget to pick. Well, fuck, I'm playing with my fingers. I'm going to have to put my amp louder because I forgot my pick. But I'm not going to ask for one because I forgot my pick. I'm a guitar player. I shouldn't be forgetting my picks. You know, I've, I've ta- but it's happened. But if you don't ask for favors, you don't owe any favors. And you should, I mean, maybe you should, maybe now this is kind of the dichotomy. I feel like you should give favors willingly I, without expecting something back. I try to do that. I try to, if I see the opportunity and something I'm willing to do, I try to offer a favor. Um, my my main reason is, is that it kind of, if I want to, it builds like a stronger connection with that person. Yeah. You know, it, it, I guess it's it, in a way it's my sense of almost networking. You know, if I right. if there's something I can do and I'm willing to do for that person, then I'll offer, I'll offer that favor. Let's call it first. Um, I I don't know if because if I'm willing to, it definitely I think builds a better connection. Yeah, well, it's definitely always a a good way to be to pay it forward. You know, when someone yeah. does something for you. Um, the last night that Katie was in town um, earlier this week, we were in Brownsville and we ended up drinking at the doghouse and getting some food there. And um, so we're just like deep in whatever conversation we're having and we're just putting away Lone Stars like it's fucking water. <laughs> and um, bartender brings us up another round and is like, oh, like we're, st- we're still golden. We still got like half of these like beers we have now. And he's like, oh, I was like, this is a, you know, gift from like some other patrons, like anonymous. And like, oh, cool. It's like someone bought us around. And so we cheers to that. And then Katie was like, well. Now we got to buy another two people around. Is like, true, <laughs> and so we did, yeah. and we like did the same thing. We like, she told the bartender, "Hey, the people over here, like the same thing someone else did for us, do for them, and put it on on our stuff mm-hmm. on our tab." Cool deal. That's right. awesome. I don't disagree with paying it forward and doing favors to build a relationship. You know, that that's good. I like that. Good stuff, right? Um, okay. On the contrary, though, backing up to what you were saying about um, doing favors without expecting it um, to be done back for you, right? Mm-hmm. Without expecting favors in return. So I saw this um, person post this meme. I don't want to call it a meme because it's not really like the same kind of uh, service that memes, you know, give, which is just like for hilarity. But, um, you know, it's like one of those like inspirational, just like kind of picture quotes or whatever that people post. I think I've ranted about this before. Like, are they actually helpful, you know? Yeah, like those little motivational bits. Well, this girl posted one that reads, sometimes having a big heart sucks because you expect everyone to care as much as you, and they don't. And, ah, uh, man, that just rubbed me in such a wrong way. I screenshotted it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to save this for um, for what we call our podcast protein, um, you know, which is like these little, um, these little bits like this that feed into our conversations. But um, I, I had such a problem with the way that was worded because it's like, okay, you have a big heart, but you're expecting people to care about you. Why? You know, yeah. no one knows you shit. I, I truly believe that one of the best or I guess one of the most effective ways to not be disappointed is to not 
really you know have expectations and i i said that like on people like i i really don't feel that anybody owes me anything you know i don't expect anybody to to care for me or, or care about me or anybody to try to do me favors or you know because really it's it's up to nobody to you know do to go out of their own way and um spend their time or money on me like nah i can get things done on my own right a lot of the time and when i can't then i know there's people you know who do care about me i don't expect them to but i know that they're there to maybe lend a hand but yeah don't that's just so I, i i don't understand people that expect to be um cared for and then they're they're disappointed like yeah. i don't know it's, it's almost a setup for yourself yeah it goes back to playing the victim yeah and yeah <laughs> expect everyone to be the same way it's like no everybody has different backgrounds which we've talked about before and everybody has even when you get married and whatever you meet your soulmate or whatever and you expect this person to be a certain way, it's your probability is really against you. Like your chances of that being is really against you. Now, maybe you guys develop a great relationship and it lasts forever until the end of time, right? You till death do its part. But in general, if you're talk, if this person that posted this inspirational quote deal is talking about her friends no absolutely not absolutely not uh eddie did show this and i saw of course i saw it you know when when i, when I started compiling the notes for this today's episode and i read it and reread it and reread it and i was like yeah no i'm sorry not not don't be a victim you know you're, you you put yourself in a hole and if you believe that if you believe in that hole you're gonna keep digging you're never gonna get out yep if you want to put yourself in that hole, you will definitely do it. You will find a way to do it to yourself, no matter what it seems. It's like no matter like how much that because I've had like I've had those friends that play the victim, and I just try to shake them and wake them up like, dude, like you can do something about this. Stop complaining. Just yeah. do something about it. Like, but they'll always find an excuse to go back down in that hole that they dug for themselves where they're comfortable. Uh. At this moment, I don't know what, because I know a, a couple too, you know, a few people that are in this situation. And at the moment, I wish I knew how to help them, and I don't yet. I mean, I, I'm not. It's not that I'm not thinking about their situation or whatever, but I mean, especially for some people that their holes are so deep. Yeah. Lately, what I've been doing is that if I hear somebody talk about their hole that they've, you know, that they've dug and they don't realize it, I call them out right away. I'm like, well, this is what you're doing, and this is what you expect, and they don't match up. So stop doing what you're doing, so that you can, you know, get to that expectation. Like, come on, you're doing this to yourself, basically. And it sounds kind of rude, but I mean, how else? How else do you snap people out of? If they're close enough to you, relationship-wise, it's about time to be rude. Maybe, Uh, maybe with these people, for me, I just haven't gone there yet. You know, to that comfortability. That word. It's a word now. Sure. Um, but yeah, just being comfortable with that, those particular people um, that fall into this, this category, and like, and the, and like, let's say, let's say you say something like that, and they, then they, they keep rebuttling, and they keep rebuttling, and they give you four or five answers. Like, okay, 
I'm done for today. I'll, I might try tomorrow, but I'm, yeah. I'm definitely done for today. I, yeah. I will not pry. There was a, actually a client. We we're talking about diets and foods and whatever. And uh, so that was that. But there was something that I was like, no, like I will not pry. I will not. You know, I'll tell you two or three times, maybe four. If you're looking, okay. When the phone, when I when I'm calling people, I let it ring twice. I let it ring three. If you okay, if you get three, you're lucky. And especially like let let's say you don't have a, like a, a normal ring tone like for to hear my call mm-hmm. like if it's not an act ding, ding, you know like actual like right. that you hear it's four times okay yeah um, for other people like I I only I mean it's twice I mean I I'm not here to pry we okay. you can call me later you can text me later you know whatever you know yeah. obviously you're busy you can answer mm-hmm. the two three line no I I definitely try to make a point to do an- I do answer promptly you know uh, not th- well, not that I get that many calls but mm-hmm. uh, but I know that. That's time. We're going back to time. No, that's time. You let it ring three. That's thirty seconds. You know that. Well, we're we talking about you let it ring like when like your phone when when your phone is ringing that you're receiving a call. You let it ring, or when you're making a phone call. Okay, when I'm making a phone call, mm-hmm. I let the audible tone in the earpiece go twice. So it's okay. ring, then you hear it, then I hear it the second time. I may sometimes I don't even let it go to your time. Maybe halfway through that, and I'll hang up. I'm like, cause obviously there's something, and it's fine. Usually I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. You know, if I'm calling, it's not of crazy. I would text you, hey, answer now. You know, if it's an emergency, usually if it's not okay, you didn't answer a couple times, fine. Now, when I, of course, depending on who's calling me, I will. I mean, if obviously if I don't have, if I'm busy in the moment, then okay. But if there's certain people that okay, I, 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 I'm able to answer now. I'll answer now, which is most of the time. Most of them I'll answer. You know, whatever. So it's not a big deal. But even like small stuff like that, like that's kind of how small I get mm-hmm. with that. Now I don't want to say detailed because I it's a thing that I've developed now. But I it's just I do pay attention to that. Like okay, I, mean, I have time to talk to you in a bit if you call me back. And sometimes I call, no answer. They call me back, I end up missing the call because I'm I'm back to doing what I'm whatever I'm doing. I missed the call. Well, that's that's that. Obviously, it's not time for us to talk yet, you know. And then three hours have passed by, then we can finally talk, you know, at the, and at a more appropriate time that I'm not busy at all, and then that person's not busy at all. So, for me, phone calls, you know, whatever. Uh, if it's an emergency, text me so I can. I mean, and another thing that I've started doing a little bit is call me to work. Like if it's an emergency, call me to work. If it's not an emergency, text me. Usually, if I'm busy, I can maybe text back. It's a little bit easier um, in cases now, or especially if like if you're not awake at four o'clock in the morning with me or three o'clock in the morning, finishing something, and I'll probably answer your call then more likely than answering it during the day. <laughs> more than likely, I'll, I'll I have that higher probability of that. But um, but uh, but yeah, uh, as far as just time and you know, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's all good. Call me at work if it's emergency. If it's not, call nine one one get whatever go to the ho- whatever you need i mean it's that bad you know don't call me yeah. first either way <laughs> i know i have i have been and i've and i've put myself in this scenario especially with my house situation you know uh with my aunt living with us and you know just her condition her circumstances where my mom's asked me i'm like well just call the ambulance or or if we have to do something oh i'll just call it. my mom's like well what would you do I'm like, just call the ambulance like you will not make it here in time like if you know if i'm taking care of her you know you will not make it here in time blah 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 I'm like, I'll just call the ambulance and tell them to go to this hospital and you'll meet them there. And, you know, that's all we can do. That's way quicker. Because, I mean, luckily, honestly, uh, crossing our fingers, knocking on wood, that, uh, you know, ambulance have arrived at timely, timely times. <laughs> <laughs> a timely good fashion, timely, timely fashion. fashion. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Uh, 
in tiny fashions here to the house. So it's 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 been okay. You know, it's been good. I'm good with it. And we go on. Um, one thing that Tim Ferriss talks about in, uh, I think both his newest episode, which is with Mr. Money Mustache, which is an incredible guy. And then he gets interviewed by Google. And one of the things he talks about that comes up at some points of both of them is inoculation of like the worst case scenario. And so like one of the examples is uh, like living in poverty. So one of the things he does is, or at least at this time, he would fast for three days, once a month. And then every other quarter or so, he would fast for seven days. And and just doing, I mean, with the three days once a month, and then the qu- every other quarter is like seven days. Like that's enough inoculation to where your body's just in a sense. It just has a sense of itself. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, I definitely feel that when I fast, like my next fast will be this coming Tuesday. So, but you keep all your activities the same. So if you work out, you still work out. All you drink is water. And I've done that with jujitsu. Like now, now I'm able to now I'm able to do it with jujitsu. Before I was like, oh my god, I thought I was gonna die. But then your body gets <laughs> to honestly, your body gets to a certain point. And I'm I'm now curious to try a seven day because even Jocko talks about it. Uh, Tim Ferriss talks about it, where like, when you do a seven day, and by like day four and a half or so, like your body starts getting fully inoculated. We're like, hey, brain, like you're good to go. Like your brain starts signaling out, like, hey, right. body, like you're you'll be fine. You're gonna be good. Just keep drinking water. You're gonna survive for thirty. Because I think I don't know if the times like thirty one days that a human can I think survive. I've ever heard. Yeah, it's about 30, 31 days. Thirty, thirty one. Let's just say it's thirty. Let's say it's thirty. You know, one day less. You have twenty. Okay, you have twenty four hour less to t- twenty four hours less to get something done. It's a lot of time if you think about it that way. Yeah, it's plenty. But you have that twenty four hours less. So you have to work that two percent harder every day. To, to equalize the same time. Anyways, so um, I am curious to how my body, because I know for those who have gone out to dinner with me, especially my friends here, Brian and Eddie and stuff, that, I mean, I eat comfortably, always. Especially now that my, my exercise is, is really routine. Uh, some of my daily habits are also routine. So with the time that I have to eat, oh, I I, gr- I, I, ch- I grub. You compensate you know. for your workouts. Oh, I, I do. I do. And I have no problem with it because they're like, oh, how do you lose weight? I'm like, I ate. I eat a lot every day, and but with moderation of what I'm eating, you know, whatever. But I don't want to go too deep because we we've, we we always come in and out of that. So that that's the basis of like my diet and whatnot. I was just gonna say something about uh, the whole, um, like thinking about the worst case scenario. Okay, that's, that's where st- we started. That's a stoic could. theme because I I read it in uh, where did I read it? I read it somewhere. Okay. Um, I think it might have been something that Marcus Aurelius wrote or something that Seneca wrote. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, the stoic thing is to put yourself in your, your worst-case scenario and think about, like, can you survive that? Yeah. And if you can, then you're fine, you know? Um, but another thing also is that I know for sure Seneca wrote this. Um, when is, is enough, like, enough? Or, or something along those lines. And it was like have what you need and then a little bit more and that's enough mm. like no need to like splurge or, or to you know have so many extra things mm. and i think that's that's kind of a perfect way to um balance out you know visualizing your worst case scenario when you have not a whole lot to lose yeah and i don't uh, know that, that's cool um I now remember it was the Googleplex interviewing Tim Ferriss yeah, yeah. that he talks about 
his inoculation to like the worst case scenario. And at this particular point where I ended it today, he does bring up like the majority. You end up finding a solution by the time you're done with that with that time period where let's say it's a seven seven day fast. By the end of the seven days, you end up finding oh I could I could have done this I can do this you know. If I were in a, if I were in real poverty situation, I could do this. For now, I don't have to. You know, seven days, it's pretty normal now. I don't know how long he's been doing it, but uh, let's say it's pretty normal now that he's made he's made that a part of his routine. You know, monthly routine, quarterly routine. Um, very yeah. As far as the worst case scenario stuff, um, definitely. I know I'm definitely diving into that because that that I include like jujitsu and me learning because uh, training and learning these these things and. Uh, developing this uh to me it's inoculation of thinking under literary no thinking under literal physical pressure when you have like 70 pound guy that or 70 the guy is 70 pounds heavier than you on top of you and you have to figure out how to get out that's an ideal i think that maybe that's why i haven't fasted extendedly yet because the inoculation of that that physical inoculation does it for me at the moment and yeah, when I'm rolling with my coach, who uh, well, my okay, our noon coach, and then we have our professor. So noon coach, he's a purple belt, awesome guy. Um, I rolled with him all of uh, Wednesday, which was awesome. Not all of Wednesday, but I got to roll with him multiple times, which is uh, kind of abnormal to like the way we have it, and it worked out, and I, I enjoyed it. And one thing he pointed out, he's like, "Hey man, when you roll with these two other guys, like you're comfortable, you're moving, you're 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 figuring stuff out." And he's like, with me, you kind of freak out. I'm like, yeah, because I'm waiting for you to put your knee on my belly. Like, I, like when you, uh, of course, the term in jiu-jitsu is knee on belly. That's like, it's a move, right? And basically, when you have someone heavier than you, or not even heavier than me, I've had, I've had lighter guys do it on me, and it literally sucks the life out of you. Literally. It takes the air. It's oxygen. Right. You need oxygen to live. It sucks the air out of you. And you have to figure out how to get away. Now, while I've gotten, I've, I now have, I now know how to get away, because coach taught me how to get away. But that's all I could do because him even being a bigger guy, he's so fast. So I'm just doing that one move, and he's he's three ahead of me. Like he, right. which which should be because he's that's why he's my coach. That's why our professor has allowed him to be our coach. And then, uh, side note for this coach, um, his positivity has changed in a dramatically awesome way. Uh, before he would always say, "Hey guys, thanks for coming to train. Thanks for letting me be your coach." But these past two weeks in particular, he's like, "Guys," like he would pause, "Guys." Thank you. I appreciate you letting me stand here in front of you and directing and helping and coaching. And so it, it ran around along those two lines for these past two weeks. And I just, and it, it's a, it's a character change. It's not just, to me, it was not fake, mm-hmm. especially, and more especially because this, because this week, I'm like, oh man, like I, I felt his sincerity last week and this week just nailed it on, you know, hammer on the nail for me. Cause I was like, oh man, like, I wonder, this goes deeper, but I wonder, like, okay, wh- what led him to change his demeanor? Because he's always been cool. You know, he's our coach. He's always been a great guy. But his his closing for our, our meetings now have changed in a good way, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, hmm, I, I, I wonder, you know, yeah, what, what sounds... factors, what variable has changed? Even if it's one variable yeah. at home or on the gym that he's like, oh, hey, guys, I thank you. That and sounds you like, like he's more humbled, actually. Yeah. Right? exactly what it sounds like to me mm-hmm. yeah. and then uh with that said this is something I, I i didn't quite know if i wanted to bring it up but uh earlier this year our ceo 2017 up, or yeah okay 2017 
um our ceo brought up uh i think it's gonna be our new sort of uh like motivational phrase for the for the year i think we've been having one for the past two three years um and uh he said it's well it's kind of like a motivational paragraph maybe that he read and at the end of it he says uh, you know stay humble hungry and strong mm-hmm. and I've, I've been trying to you know um repeat that in my head uh since since he said it just to not that i've found it like i haven't really found like specific ways to specific changes to make in my life to to where that applies to me but i don't know man i was just thinking and we're talking about fasting and and you know you're talking about jujitsu mm-hmm. and uh and when you said when you brought this up about your coach it just sounds humbled yeah and in, i'm okay and that's i guess that's the way i've been reaching for uh that you guys gave me <coughs> and i mean his sincerity uh, it, to me it just blew my mind because coach he's pretty light he's pretty light on his feet you know like with everything you know and and quick and you know verbally and physically you know verbally mentally and physically but to hear him just pause for a second and then go into his closing mm-hmm. it just changed the room and it was awesome like yeah yeah good like that's a good thing that he could for whatever reason he could have gone the either way the other way he could have gotten super he could have gotten one percent more egotistical and that would have yeah. been terrible you know and <laughs> gone against you know what we're trying to do as a team yeah but he didn't he went he went his two percent this way and and i noticed right away i just noticed it in his tone of voice especially like i mean honestly working with eddie now with voice and hearing his coach talk about voice and how you know all this vocalizing and vocalization um i definitely pay attention to tone you know your first three words i can tell how the rest of your sentence is going to be you know uh if it's sharp toned sharp tone in the sense of like like acute like uh, cute and like response you know, quick and fast because you want your word to be out first. You don't want any rebuttal yet. You know, in that acute way, that that's what I mean. I, acute's a better word, a better word to describe what I mean. But, uh, but yeah, humble. And, yeah, like, I don't know. We can move forward now. But it was cool to see that and then uh, and then get inoculated by his knee. <laughs> you know, get back into yeah. the rolling. But yeah. Your worst case scenario by, by one knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and okay, I, I guess we will dive a little bit deeper into this, but so that's one person who's not going to kill me because he is my friend. <laughs> and when you go out and at least have that in your pocket to hopefully never have to face that in real life, but at least you're not going to freak out. I'm not going to freak out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shrimp. And then in in a real case now I'm gonna shrimp punch him in the fucking face you know I'm gonna move and punch him in the you know right. I'm gonna uh, I know I had a friend that says well how do you do this without a gi on I'm like well you have to modify it but it's not impossible and if you're talking about no gi in a street fight it's a fucking street fight punch the guy and that's a scenario that's very hard to figure out if you don't know how to defend yourself if Eddie were in a Situa- a physical situation that he need. I'm not, I'm not. I'm talking about any martial art or or self defense for that matter. It doesn't have to be jujitsu. Jujitsu is a good pillar, 
that's been established, uh, especially for me because I'm 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 learning in jujitsu. I'm I'm developing my craft, you know, of my jujitsu game. But um, I just bring this up because I feel like it's it's part of it falls into the same macro category of health because it's it's a important pillar to defend yourself. Find it's like having insurance and never having to use it. But you have it, and you still pay for it, so it's still there in case you need it. It's it's very similar to that. Um, insurance and, uh, you know, like you hope nothing happens. Life insurance, you know, car insurance, health insurance, all that stuff. Okay, living insurance. You know, I don't know that that that's how deep I do think about it because. Um, a lot of I feel like the journey of jujitsu is being talked. It, it's talked about like every day, and I do agree. It's just my. I just want my whole game to be well done, and that game then infect, affects my life game. A lot of people talk about jujitsu, jujitsu changing their life. Well, this is helping alter my life in a good way, in a. And not in a better direction. Just it's just making it a little bit straighter, you know, just a little more aligned. There's parameters, and you just make it a little more narrow, so I have one thing less to worry about in a high intensity situation. Because at least my reaction will be there, and I know what I do. Because then, because even when coach, when you when we get into moves and stuff, and we we usually, I mean, for sure, most of the week we use gi, and then every once in a while he'll show us how he's modified it for no gi. Because he gives us like his MMA experience. He's fought MMA. He's done. He he's done really well for himself. Um, because he pays attention to like the small technique stuff. That's what keeps him. That's that's what allow. That's what that's what would allow him to win. But when you do that, and then you show like kids, like I say, kids in okay, what's the word I'm looking for? In adult, when you're an adolescent in jujitsu, which doesn't mean your age, and it barely means your belt. Because there's actually this one badass white belt, who's one of the best in the UFC and but he's a white belt but he's been a white belt for like nine years so he has he still has nine years of experience he'll still kill somebody <laughs> you know like yeah, if yeah. need be so it doesn't even matter about that but it's the time how much time you've put into it is what gives you your maturity as you go and you go and you go and you go and then when you earn a black belt you keep going there's degrees of black belts now you only you know after that you only get to a certain point but by then your journey is 40 50 years in you know, or a way to inoculate yourself to where you won't freak out in case you have a physical altercation somewhere. Now, don't be an asshole. Don't be an idiot and initiate thing because your pride's too big, which is also why jujitsu is good. You check your ego. You roll with other people. Now, I rolled with a 12-year-old girl. and she put, her, she put her knuckles in my throat. I'm like, good for you. I was so proud. Like, okay, I'll be honest. If I were her parent, I'd be like, Okay, I, I feel that much better for my daughter. Not son. Son, you have physicality. You're a little bigger at 12 years old. My cousin's 15. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. You know, this 12-year-old, I'd say average size female, but she knows moves. She knows at least how to get to a bigger guy who outweighs her. I probably outweigh over 100 pounds. And I'm only, I'm only at 200. So then there's a 70-pound guy that's or a guy that weighs outweighs me by 70 pounds. Now, tr- try, let's just say, not not the particular guy I'm talking about, but 
let's give a scenario of an asshole that's 250 pounds trying to do something bad to a, a young female. Now, fuck those guys for trying that in the first place. Because I know I would not. Eddie, I will let it be known that if I see that from the stage, it, it that I wouldn't let happen. And I won't do anything stupid, but I will definitely probably drag his out, ass out of the bar. And if it, it's like a small stage, like it'd be perfect. It'd be quick. I'd be back before you know it. This, this, well, I would just call for security to do it. But <laughs> if you okay, let them have a let, story. Let's say let's let's say you had your eyes closed when you were singing and you didn't see, but you heard a guitar part go off <laughs> or stop playing. <laughs> At least you know why. But anyways, but I, but those are the physical things. Those are the things that, while your mental mental health is important, your physical. I mean, you know, that that's that dichotomy. You know, not, it's not even dichotomy. It's just a it's just a a joint thing of mental mental and physical ability. Um, we can move forward eventually. If I don't know if you have something, Eddie, but uh, I could I could honestly go on forever. And well, I'm kind of reiterating now, yeah. but it, to me, it's it's just that important. Well, I'm glad you brought up um, like physical and mental. I guess I guess we can call it health. Like I know I texted you when was it yesterday that I wasn't gonna go to the gym yesterday. I was just I wasn't feeling there mentally or physically. And usually, if I'm physically tired, if my mind is there, then I'll still go because you know it's mind over matter. But no, yesterday I was just, I wasn't even in, in the mindset to, to like focus or, or, you know, to, to want to get it done. And, um, yeah, man, I just didn't think I, I could get in an, uh, an effective workout. So that's why I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to try today. I'm going to use that time to go rest after freaking at that point, 11 days working straight and then working late aside from straight days, like. And that's what I did. I went home. I had dinner, and I was knocked out by nine, by nine p.m. And I woke up super refreshed this morning. Good. So, yeah, I I think um I made a good call. So I what do you do? Oh, sorry. So what do you do when you have to be in that mindset that you have to be effective? There's no other option. You must be effective, and you must be efficient. You've got to get the job done, but you're lacking the inspiration for it. So what do you? What do you do in that scenario? Man, I don't know. It's honestly like it's hard for me to answer that because I don't think I've I've been like you know the workout it was optional, but I don't think I've been in the situation where I have to be efficient and effective and I just can't. I think if I if I was in the position where I need to be, I'll force myself to be like you maybe take a breather. Like recharge for as long as I can and then come back into it. But I don't know, man. I honestly like from I guess I don't know if you're coming at this from this per- perspective, but from a creative standpoint, like if you need to get creative and you can't, similar to maybe having writer's block, man, that, that's kind of tough. Like maybe you gotta you gotta go and find some some inspiration. You know, the same way I would take a breather to just kind of like, you know, um ponder a little bit about the situation maybe you got to go out there and, and and find something to like spark spark your jog your memory jog your your inspiration that's fair could you give me an example or or do you want to answer and I'll, I'll i'll finish this little moment well i think like i because you mentioned writer's block so i want to bring that up um i fucking hate it when fellow songwriting friends bring up uh you know like they have writer's block and they're having trouble writing i'm like bunch of bullshit you're just not writing like you're just not doing it 
you know. And um, I think a lot of it, though, to be fair, comes from like people are trying to write badass songs, which is good. You should be trying to write badass songs, you know, about relevant things. People are so scared to write about irrelevant things, but you need those songs to to just keep the trade going, you know, to keep the craft going and keep the development going and keep the fluidity going. Because y- you need the consistency or else you're going to start fading away from it and you're going to find yourself um, having a hard time getting back into it, you know? So, like, people complain about writer's block. I've had it for, like, a week and then two weeks and then three weeks. Man, that's crazy. Though. Damn, and then, then you're, you're a month out. And and then you're a month out and then you just haven't been writing. Like, you know, and it's just, um, I think writer's block is a bullshit excuse. I and and really, um, I can't credit that um, idea um, to my own formulated thoughts. Um, I was taught this, and I have now believe this um, from studying under Tom Douglas at school, who is, like, one of the, like, legendary songwriters of country music and of music in general. He's a badass. But, um, you know, because you can always find something to write about. And I remember in class, he would give us assignments to defeat those feelings of writer's block. Like, um, one time we had to go to the um, to the art museum that's in Nashville, the Frist, and, um, like, go pick a painting or a project or whatever and write a lyric based off of that and then bring it into class and show it and et cetera and whatever, whatever, right? Um, that was one, and then another one was like, go pick up an article of the New York Times at Starbucks, and then pick an article, and then write a song about it, which is actually how um, the lyric for Poor Man's Son came about, one of my original songs about um, about El Chapo, um, the drug lord, so um, or drug cartel guy. So th- that's how that song was born about, because he had just gotten arrested, I think, for the second time, and it was a major article in the New York Times, and it was like about his, like. Um, kind of more focused on his childhood, which was like a cool, interesting little thing that, and that's what hit me that day. So um, again, like just songs I wouldn't have gotten um, had it not been for just kind of like you were saying, Brian. Like you have to go out and find those sources of inspiration, right. or you got to find a way to get back into it. So that's just one of those ways. Um, for me nowadays, um, defeating writer's block doesn't necessarily involve me traveling outside of my home to go somewhere to look at a painting or whatever, but I'm just more detached from writing, like, hit songs, I guess, if, if, that's, if that's what you want to call it. Not that I've ever been concerned with writing hit songs. I guess just, like, writing what I feel like are decent songs, like, about decent, relevant matters, like, relationships, love life, um, you know, death or time or whatever, you know, like, important shit. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a song about, you know, being a bar band, and it's like, not everyone can relate to that. Hardly anyone can relate to that. And I feel like, and that's just a song that will probably just end up on the shelf. And it's maybe not necessarily one I'll ever use, but I wrote that day and the world keeps going around. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. Yeah, I think, I don't know if this is kind of where you're going, but um, I've I've heard basically, um, I want to call it that it's, it's similar um, when you're trying to come up with like a business idea. And uh, you're you're trying to find the perfect idea, but write down all your ideas, even if they're completely like batshit crazy, because from there you can start narrowing down, or or from there you can be inspired to write something else that will work. So you know, no matter what, don't stop writing those business ideas down because they're gonna get you somewhere somehow. Yeah, and I know um, 
I know for uh, Katie, when we co-wrote um, earlier this week, um, I had brought up a song, uh, song topic, uh, an idea that I'd kind of kept hidden away for a while that I've been wanting to write. And um, it just kind of like happens this way in co-writes. Like we don't like just flat out say, nah, you know, but like we kind of like throw out that feeler. Like, you know, we're just kind of throwing it out and like, you know, and, and you know, just kind of seeing where that takes us. And well, she had had, um, you know, a chorus tucked away um, for a while and, and, you know, just one of those things, she could probably speak to this, too, because um, uh, I know for me, I feel this way. Um, when you have, like, just four lines or two lines tucked away for a while, and you just kind of don't know what to do with it, and then later on, at the right moment, it just hits you, and the song comes super easy, because you didn't try to force it, you know, before. So it seems like that same thing kind of happened, and she had this chorus tucked away, and just kind of wasn't doing anything with it, didn't know what to do with it, didn't know what it was going to be yet. And, well, when she sang it um, and sang that lyric, and I was just kind of like, yeah, like, I feel that. Like, that's that's how I've been feeling lately. So, um, you know, that's that's where we matched up, and that's the song we ended up writing. So, you know, I, I'm not even sure how much she had that on the back burner. She just said she had it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. But eventually it comes out and formulates the way it should. All because she saved it for the appropriate time, you know, or at least what she deemed the appropriate right. time. Cool deal. I feel like freestyle rappers do that. Like it may sound like amazing and like, whoa, you just thought about that. But no, nah, I think freestyle rappers have like, oh, yeah, their little choruses A tucked game away. Plan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some like some kind of skeleton. at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then they just kind of apply it to the situation or whatever. Yeah. Man, mm -hmm. that's awesome. I will go next. Um, and not even getting too deep because this is just what I do. Um, I make it as personable as possible. That's what drives me. And and people don't people say don't think about the past. That's probably the only time I think about the past. If I need something to drive me, I think of something like, damn it, I could have done that better. Oh, oh man, we I, mi I miss this. It's my fault. And it's okay, and like I'm, I'm okay with it now, cause like it's not an everyday thing, but when you get those blocks, or or when we're on stage, me and Eddie, and maybe I'm not feeling it that day, I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're here, and you're getting played, play to play music. You got hired for a reason in the first place. Eddie says, hey, Andy, you can be a part of this band. I say, okay. And even okay, even getting to that point where I say, okay, Eddie says it's okay for me to be a part of this band. Brian, let's let's say metaphorically, we start a business. If we have a down day, or if I have a down day, I'd be like, no, we're sharing time here. Yeah. So that's the stuff that does it for me. And it doesn't matter what it is. And, and okay, for those three, four hours I'm at the gym every day, when they're, when those people, they, they're sharing their time with me. Yeah, yeah we're, we're compensated, whatever. That, that doesn't even matter. Like, I established the last podcast where that is my hobby. Because mentally, it's like, whatever. Today, me and Brian got to do some some good pad work that I learned from Danny. Good deal, yeah. I learned from Danny. I learned that from Danny last Friday. Because I went in the gym after I got my blood shot. I went to go visit him because it's across the street. And he was doing some stuff with uh, one of the clients. And it's like, okay, I want to do that. Because I had stopped for a little bit. I had stopped doing pad work, period. Because I kind of got bored with it. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Like, I'm not enjoying it. Like, why should I make someone else, like, just go through that, mm -hmm. you know? So when I saw Danny last week. And I was like, 
that's what I can do and just make, you know, start instead of doing like just straight comp straight punches, I was doing combinations. I'm like, okay, boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, four, five. I'm doing yeah. up th- did I get to six punch combos with you? Yeah, and I, I actually enjoyed that versus the you know what what we've right, done right, in the, the past. The 20, was, 20 this, twenty that yeah, or whatever. That was good. Um we're do- I mean and it's cool because one of my first clients earlier in the day, after I did I got up to five with her. She's a she's a younger girl, she's like in high school, super cool chick. Um and after, but after we were done, it was kind of the same thing where it was like, she was like, thank you. She's like, I like that. She's like, I like, she enjoyed it. And at the beginning of the day with some of the clients, it started with, cause we have a few new people that have signed up. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really comfortable with the bags. Their hands are kind of like, they're in risk of injury until they get good, you know? So I'm like, come with me. Like we'll get some pad work, start two punch comedy, just two yeah. punches, not even 20, just give me two and two good ones. And finally, once I started seeing their edge. I was like, there. I mean, now you're punching yeah, with I, feeling. I was gonna I mean? say like it kind of allows you to work on technique because it's not so fast and repetitive. It you know you, you're doing couple a couple sets of of each combination mm-hmm. you know at a time. Yeah. It it allows you to to kind of fix your technique. Yeah. Because it's just uh, well nah, I don't want to relate it to music. We talk <laughs> a lot about music, but but yeah the 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 tempo of that. Of that work, it slowed it down. Yes, it slows it down. So it allows the, you to focus. On while the you, because you've missed a few, like a few days and stuff. Like yeah. over the over the past few weeks, you've you've been in and out because you've been busy. Mm-hmm. But for the people who have been, and I have been working pad, doing pad work. When they came to me yesterday or today, because yesterday I did the same thing and today I did the same thing as far as the pad work, and uh, and Monday too. But uh, for the people who have done it with me before, they were expecting oh just a tw- oh, 20. and like it was kind of routine. So when I broke that routine, I was like. I got I regained their attention, and it took time because if I wouldn't have gone to see Danny that morning, I wouldn't have seen and that wouldn't have because I because it it was something that I forgot. It's not that Danny's never done it with me because I've done pad work with Danny. It's it's awesome with Danny and Marcos, you know, my boss. Uh, it's been good learning through them, and in this particular situation where I was getting complacent, and I was like not inspired to do this type of work, and it's it's encouraging, especially our boss, the main owner he definitely wants us to engage and you know be with the clients as you know as much as possible which is fair i mean it, it, it's absolutely that's part of the the business model right yeah. so so then when i finally found it I'm like okay that's what i'm gonna do next week like monday tuesday monday or uh, tuesday i didn't feel it because uh there's there's i i i wanted to change it where like let's say monday i ran it tuesday i didn't to see to like push them see how they were doing maybe on the bags again mm-hmm. seeing how they react to Main thing is that it's the same technique. You know, your technique doesn't change. You still you punch the bag as hard as you're gonna punch me. You know, whatever. There's one girl in particular uh, last night, cause I didn't do that much. But once like once I had uh, one of the other trainers walk in like to help like just re- relieve the time, um, I finally got to work one on one with one girl. And that's where it got me the idea for today. But with her, she was just punching kind of really passively, and I'm not about that. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like besides uh getting in shape all the punching and moving around helps your joints like it helps strengthen strengthen. the tendons Mm -hmm. the tendons ligaments all that stuff all the inner work is like the basically it's like oil in a car that's what that's what like all those uh like the lactic acids and stuff like makes you sore that's that's oil in a car that's what that is and for the previous there was the last podcast and i think the podcast before i did say idiot i said lactate it's lactic acid I messed it up royally. I 
I was rereading the book earlier this week, and I was like, damn it. Like, I, I just, that, those are the small things that I, that pissed me off. Cause I know there are people out there that I hope listen and like, they're like, oh, he got that. Like, he, he must be an idiot. I was an idiot. I read, the, I went back, cause I knew what page it was on, but I just remember, I thought it was that. It's not, it's lactic acid. Anyways, back to oil in a car and this girl. So it was real passive and whatever. And, uh, so then I, I can't, I got it. Or, I'm like, hey, let's, let's do some pad work. And then, uh, Finally, by the end, she was, and I, I did maybe three punch combinations, maybe three or four. I never, I didn't get to the, to the, to the duck for sure. I didn't get to five or six, but even four, but she was punching with aggression. And with that, you're going to burn more calories. You're going to strengthen up and you're gonna be good to go either way. So that carried over to today where I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to who's doing what, see how far I want to take. Cause like with you. You are more comfortable. You punch with intent. So it's easy to get to six combinations. Some people only got to three. Repeat it one, two, one, two, one, two, 10 times, 15 times, one, two, 30 second bell. Okay, one, two, three, one, two, three. And that was it. That's all, that's all we got. Right. But hopefully, Monday we start again, they'll be more aggressive on the, bat, on the bags. Um, that was, that's just something of learning by going, also going. You know, if I, went, like I said, going back to Danny, if I wouldn't have seen him, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have found that re inspiration to, uh, to then get, to do a better job, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting paid for this service, you know. There you go. Now I was gonna chime in saying, like, I remember, um, like back in the uh, the golden days of when I was actually going to a gym and working out. Um, well, I would go with our uh, with our buddy Kyle to go yeah. work out at um, what's this place called? Dynamic Fitness Academy. It's a badass little gym. Uh, badass people own that place. I kind of miss them. I kind of want to go back to it, but I kind of don't want to put in the work. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no shame. But, um, no, I remember because they incorporate, like, some boxing and some um, slight MMA stuff into their um, into their workout routine. I didn't so, know that. That's cool. Yeah, kind of similar to Nine Round in that respect, only it doesn't revolve around it, you know, as heavily as I feel you guys do there. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, one little part of our little um, oh, okay. the, you know, that, rotation. The circuit that they have. Yeah, the circuit. There you go. But... I mean, I'm not really, like, an aggressive person, and, like, punching things has never really been my forte, you know? So, but when I was working out with them, it really allowed me to just kind of get into it, and the the trainers were so cool and non-judgmental about it, and just, like, no, like, this is how you punch, you know, stance like this, you lefty or righty, okay, you're southpaw then, okay, so do this, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching me the basics. And once I started going off of that, I was like, this is fucking fun. Hitting shit is awesome. I was going to say, I'm like, do pad work with me. I will get you... I love it actually. Yeah, that's good. So, that's awesome. And it even like uh, I don't know. If, do you guys do kicks at all at yeah. nine oh, rounds? Yeah, yeah. Kicks that's boxing. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> we incorporate all punches and a variation of kicks. So yes, kicks and screams. Yeah. <laughs> but that was always my favorite. Like to throw in with combinations, right? You do like like maybe uh, like what's like one thing we do? It'd be like you know just like two punches like left right and then left elbow up or something like that and okay. then throw in a like a roundhouse or something yeah, yeah. oh man i love yeah. that shit yeah. and man it gets your heart going like you get tired fast if you're not yeah. breathing right yeah well you yeah. just get tired fast in general but <laughs> especially if you're not breathing right you're not breathing at all man i <laughs> i've had i've had a client i was like deep breath so the thing is i incorporate is slow deep breaths while maintaining your speed right because that helps you learn to control your breathing, right? And then this one client, she's an older lady. She's super cool. It's like, what if you can't breathe? <laughs> and I laughed. I'm like, then slow down. I'm like, find find your rhythm. 
Because once you find your rhythm, you can up and down as much as you want. And even now, like, okay, it's just a small thing. Go back to jiu-jitsu when I was rolling with coach. When we were done, I was good. In, in there, you would think I'm dying, you know, because I have a knee on my belly, like, life's getting stuck out of me. But it doesn't take – honestly, it does not take me but 10 seconds now. Now, it's taken all of my – start. I started jiu-jitsu in October just until now. So I'm very young at this. But it's taken me this long to get my breathing down, four months, where it's like, guys, this is, ju- this is just breathing. This doesn't involve technique. Now, going to nine round and then Eddie's situation – of learning your rhythm of breathing, it's so important. Like, it, you need to find that rhythm. And then once you find the rhythm, you're moving. You're moving and you're moving and it's, you're all good. You know, it doesn't take but a few seconds to catch your breath. Where before you're like, oh, my God, I, like I cannot catch my breath. Even just moving, you, you end up not catching your breath. But once I find myself catching my breath less and less because it, I've learned to get to neutral quicker. Like, I don't need to take a ultimate breath to then come back down. It's like one, two, three, four, five. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go again. You know, whatever. Yeah. But that's been my. But it's taken, guys. I mean, for people listening, it's taken four months. A lot of people get frustrated, and I, I try to reiterate every day, like especially at the gym, like I do here on this podcast sometimes too, where it ta- you just keep it going, keep it going. Let that thing be your one percent till you get comfortable with it. Um, and I can be. I mean, it's used for multiple things. This is just breathing, working out. Eddie, you know, brought up his experience with that, but he also brought it back breathing, which I encourage to figure out. And from there, you're good to go. Yeah. Good shit. Um, speaking of breathing, like, um, so I was asthmatic. Um, well, still am kind of. Um, very slightly, I guess. I was say you have it well under control compared to yeah. when we were younger, right? Yeah, and I feel like, like super under control yeah, right now. Awesome. Except awesome. when I was sick for like two weeks in a row. Um, then it really sucked. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Oh, that like when I started running and really just getting into running every day and making that part of my routine, that's when I really learned how to kick asthma's ass. Like, that's when it really just right kind of settled in for me. Right on. And it sucked being sick for two weeks because, well, we had a gig at Hillbillies on a Thursday, and I got sick, I want to say the night before that. Yeah, it started, it started creeping up. It started creeping for up. Sure. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember now because we had a Corpus gig the Sunday before that Thursday. And that Sunday night, a cold front came in, so we we're all hot Saturday, and Yeah, Saturday going into and, Sunday. Or, yeah, 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 sorry, Saturday, Saturday going into Sunday. And... um. So uh, I think that's kind of what kickstarted it because I remember feeling that way going to bed. Like I felt like something was going to happen. Sure enough, um, it crept in all throughout early that week. And then when Wednesday hit, I was just uh, – yeah. and I, I didn't sing in practice. We just played through songs. Yeah, we, that's, um, a, cause, yeah that's a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, well, I need to save it for tomorrow, guys. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. Um, you know. Sing it in your head. Yep. Learn but the even lyrics. then, that presents a cool challenge. But we won't yeah, dive yeah, too yeah. much into that. We can say that for another day. Yeah, and uh, but and then you know I took some some magic pills, you know, um, for Thursday's gig, and that had me going. And like you know, so I felt awesome, super awesome, and then paid the price for it the following Friday. <laughs> yeah. um, very much paid the price for it, and then kind of finally started to get better, like a couple of days that followed, and then immediately got right into another sickness. So I've just kind of like been sick for two weeks, and I'm like barely recovering. And um, well, I really didn't recover until um, until Katie came into town. Gotcha. Um, 
she came into town, and then I was finally kind of starting to find my footing. I still wasn't singing yet because every time I tried to sing, I was just like, yeah, this fucking hurts, and it sucks, and like it's just my body's telling me no, so I have to let it rest, yeah. and I just couldn't do it. And it sucks because I enjoy singing every day, not because that's just like what I do for a living, but like I just like genuinely enjoy doing it. Like it, it brings me satisfaction. Even just vocal warm-ups bring me a whole bunch of satisfaction, and I love having that part of my routine every day. So um, with that being said, running was out of the question for me because I was sick and it was cold outside. So, um, or, and when I mean cold, I mean like, you know, there was a breeze and it was like 60 <laughs> degrees. 60 degrees. <laughs> but, um, but it was cold enough to where um, because I'm sick and I didn't have my breathing under control, I'm going to be breathing in through my mouth a lot and not through my nose. So I'm taking in a lot of bad shit that's going to make me sicker. Yeah. So, um, that's fair. you know. Um, so running was out of the question for me. Singing's out of the question for me. What the fuck does that leave me to do? So like my routine was just totally thrown off. And when I was finally able to get uh, back into it, it made me that much more appreciative of just like discipline and routine and everything like that. And I'd even like stopped making my bed in the morning because I just felt so sluggish and just, you know, I was getting up a little later and just still not feeling great. And then, um, well, when, like, Katie was in town, I mean, part of it was because I don't want my room to look like a fucking mess with, like, a friend here. Yeah. And then um, the other part was, like, well, you know, I need to get back into my routine. So I started making my bed again, and Katie was like, oh, shit, like, do you always, like, make your bed? I was like, you know, like, growing up, I never really made it, even though I'm sure my, my mom wishes I would have. <laughs> but now I try to make that a habit, and that's something I stole from, from the Army, quite honestly. It's, yes. one, it's one of those yes. things that, um, you know... Um, it, it gets you going on your list of accomplishments that you need to make happen right. for that day. So you start off the day completing a task, yeah. always. And that's just it, you know? That's good. Yeah. The, uh, so. well, well, I was going to get into going back to your running real quick. When you run, do you what 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 do you listen to like a list of music or what do you like what do you as far as as far as the music content for your running, what do you do? Is it one song? Is it multiple songs? For I'm just curious because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this into something else. Sure. So for a long time, uh, when I was starting to get really, really into it, um, it was just podcasts. I would put on a Joe Rogan episode or I'd put on um, Jocko or I'd put on Sam Harris, whatever, Tim Ferriss or whatever it's going to be. And um, I would just let that go. And, um, and those are all long podcasts. Like Sam's show kind of goes like two hours um, for the most part. Joe is always a consistent like three, three and three, a half, yeah. sometimes four on a blue moon. So it was just like part of the podcast I was listening to for that day anyway. So I would just let it go and, um, and you know, listen to the rest later or whatever. Um, then it kind of started to get old. So I would put on music. Um, Metallica's new album was rad. fired. Got me through I'll that. I'll your word, rad. Rad, yeah. <laughs> my, my word used to be dope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's rad. Um, it's been rad for a little bit. So I don't know what it, what's, what's going to be next, but yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Um, probably just back to dope, but <laughs> anyway, um, so I guess, you know, Metallica's new album was, uh, was fire and, and I kind of used to think that I needed that hard, heavy paced, um, music to get me through that run. Yeah. Dude, I can listen to the saddest shit while I run and me completely too. be okay me now. Me too. I don't, even like through working out, like I don't need that heavy metal album or that fast rock or 80s rock or yep. whatever gets you pumped, you know, um. Lose Yourself by Eminem, just off the top of my head, oh. gets me pumped. But, yeah. like, I don't need that anymore. Like, I can listen to, like, you know, just really sad, slow, depressing shit, 
And in a weird way, it just makes me feel like at ease with the pace I'm going at. Even if it's not um, helping me increase my pace, because I think right now my average pace is about like 7.30 a mile. And that's, you know, just me moderately going along. Good. Um, you know, and, and if I listen to sad shit, it'll take me maybe like 7.45. But that's okay. That's just like I've learned to accept that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know. When I really want to push it, I can put on some heavy shit and go like, you know, seven minutes a mile. Go, yeah, you'd yeah. run. Uh, the only thing I'm going to tell it, because this is one thing that I heard recently as far as uh, meditation and different forms of meditation. You know, we, we've we we've dove in the TM. We've dove with just general meditation, just just to relax our mind. You know, I, I know it's definitely helped me um, cope with stuff that's so subconscious that, you know, it's just, it's just there that I don't even know what it is, it is at the moment. So meditation just calms down, calms you down, you know, can start paying attention to your paying attention to your breathing, uh, whatnot. So what I could say is, uh, that I learned from Tim Ferriss is when you run, if you listen to the same song over and over again, it is a form of meditation. I've never done it. It's something that he got from an Olympic runner or a marathon runner, female. I don't know her name. I need to, I guess I'll get on that ASAP, but the point is the meditation because I think one of his questions generally is like, oh, do you meditate or whatever? And, of course, Jocko's meditation is working out consistently at 4.30 in the morning, right? That's his thing. And But repeating those motions over and over again or repeating that routine is a form of meditation. So, like, on your run, I don't know if you want to try it or give that a, give that a whirl. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I de- I, I've been off my run game because I've, I've honestly have not made time to – reincorporate running at some point i was rucking i have my i have two rucksacks here that i use well i use them for traveling so it's not that i don't they're not bought in vain you know one has a i love it okay one has a boatload of freaking ammo in it so that's pretty cool and then my smaller one which i use for travel you know it's a small i think 24 liter bag and i still fit four or five days of clothes in it you know i make it work um if it's one day travel i'll make sure my laptop's in there some journals so i can write if i need to whatever i'm working on but uh Anyways, I know my, my run game has been way down. Like, I'd be scared to do a 5K right now. Like, it'd be terrible. Because my metabolic state is okay, but <laughs> running, yeah, definitely not. Have, I haven't gotten to that breathing game, that rhythm game. So, um, But going back to the meditation, uh, it's something that I heard, and I'm, I am curious to what that kind of does to your psychology, you know, when you're running. And, you know, I I mean, I can listen to a song over and over. It has to be really good, but, I mean, I, I don't – I've never – Num- I've never written down or tried to number how many times I can repeat a song. You know, so I'm, I don't know if it has to be and that I'm aware of. It's not a specific one, just one that you have on repeat, and you just let it be a part of your motion, your breathing. Well, I've done this kind of by accident already, okay. um, just because I fall so in love with certain songs that I just want to listen to it over and over again. That's fair. So, um, one of them. Um, well, Denver showed me this, um, uh, the the cover of Lodi by Jeffrey Focalt. And I think I pronounced that last name right. Focalt? I hope I pronounced it right. If not, somebody shout at me and correct me. But anyway, his cover of Lodi by Creedence Clearwater Revival is bomb. Cool. It's awesome. It's like he totally stripped it down naked, made it like Americana folk. And it's just like, it is pretty as hell. And it's so relaxing. And actually, for a couple days straight, that's like, what I listened to on repeat when I went for my runs and it was so yeah it's meditational yeah right um, on. I wouldn't be worried about distance or time 
or anything like that. I would turn off my Fitbit notifications while I'm going along yeah. and just kind of go. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm sure that's what that's what it is. You know, like that type of where it, your psychology, your mental state just kind of goes into a, a little a little cruise control where you're not worrying about distance. And time's kind of like irrelevant at the moment and you're just going, you know, you're yeah. interesting. Very cool. And uh, even then, like I know like working out or running or, you know, or whatever form of working out you're doing, that in itself will release endorphins that will make you feel good, you know, and it'll take away whatever stress you got going on. But with that added element of, of you know, that meditation from just that one song playing over and over again and just really enjoying that, um, that was a whole new level, or is a whole new level, rather, of just, like, some kind of zen that I really need to do that again. Interesting. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, well, I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm, I mean, now that we're into this talk, like, you know, bringing that up, and interesting that you've, you've been in and out of that element. So that's, that's to me, for me, that's cool on its own. You know, it's it's something that, because even that runner that, that told Tim Ferriss this, it might, be, it might be in Tools of Titans. I think I read through it already. Right. Um, where she didn't, you know, for her it was just, that's what she wanted to do. That was part, but Tim's like, no, I'm like, yeah, that's a form of meditation. You don't have to sit in, in, in a, in a Zen state, you know, legs cross, legs cross and your arms up, you know, on your, on your knees or whatever. Uh, you don't have to do that. And I know I don't, I, I do it in a specific place here at home that I consistently do it there and it's worked out for me. But, uh, moving forward with, uh, sad songs and stuff, uh, when I first watched, watched, watched. When I first watched, washed. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's what it still sounds like to me. Fuck. Just kidding. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, it it bothers the hell out of me. Anyways, when I first saw American <laughs> American Sniper, uh, <laughs> when I first saw American Sniper, that was my my first just intel into like Chris Kyle and the Navy SEALs and like military depth, especially because this was pre. Uh, when this movie came out, this was pre-Jocko, even, I mean, podcast period, you know, I hadn't heard Joe Rogan yet, I was still in college when all this was going down, so I was still within, like, my last year, so this was around, like, the spring of 2015 when this, you know, came out, and so, what happened for me is, a uh, Scooter Brown band out of, I believe the Houston, well, they're out of Houston, but I believe he just signed to Nashville, which is pretty cool, I mean, he chose to make that leap to Nashville, and they signed with a record label, I'm not sure which one, but cool, for, good for him, um. Uh, I've definitely kept up with this stuff since that record came out, which was Valor, because he was uh Scoot, Scoot, Scott Brown is there his, his name Scott Brown? I guess Scooter's like a nickname, but he served in the Marines and he served in Iraq, and he was able to be alongside uh Chris Cowett points during one of his deployments. So, when that stuff came out, when American Sniper came out, and then I found that record of Valor. There's a lot of I mean, for me, they're sentimental songs because until that movie, that's when I started realizing, okay, there's some, there's depth here that goes beyond like, you know, uh, any type of feeling if you've never been there. How can you say, oh, I, when people say, oh, I'm sorry, I know how you feel. It's like, no, you have you been to war? <laughs> like, it's one of those things, right? And so anyways, but his record's so good. He talks about Valor and then there's a couple songs, like one's called Butterflies and uh, Drink, Stomp. Drink, Fight, and Stomp is another one, and that's a song that actually meant you know he he name drops uh, Chris Kyle now, which is pretty cool. But th that particular record, it's like I said, it's very personal. I can tell it's personal to him, 
And by this time, I was already gigging. So, like, you know, I had that music sentimental value. So, I get it. But those, the slower songs helped me work out better. Like, and when I was in college, I was really lifting more than I was running or any type of metabolic stuff that, I, that I'm con- concentrating on now. Uh, I was just lifting. And, and now when people are like, what do you listen to? I'm like, it doesn't matter. And, like, I'll give that example. Of course, most people don't know those specific songs. They know who Scooter Brown, ba- Scooter Brown Band is, but maybe not that particular record or those songs. But I'm like, I can go from that to then Metallica. And now, like, in addition, I mean, adding to Eddie's, like, uh, descri- like for that for that new record, it's it hypes me the hell up. Like, I, that's, like, on my way to work, on my way to Night Round, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, people better be ready to, you know, get to work. But, uh, yeah, sad songs, like, yeah, there's something about, uh, sad songs in general, and then when I got to, like I said, the American Sniper movie, relating it to Valor, which is Scott Brown's, basically his experience while being in Iraq, while being overseas, and I, I don't know if he was married yet or not, but definitely in that realm, I have assumed, I mean, now he has an awesome family, he has a wife and kids, and it's awesome seeing where he's at now in his life, in his life and career path that he's chosen. It's like some people at the gym, like, this is not my music. I was like, excuse me? Like, like your music? And <laughs> and that's where, like, you know, I reiterate, you know, like, what what is do you, what music do you listen to? I'm like, anything. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get my workout in, you know. I'm, I'm going to train or whatever. Coach, uh, our professor at jiu-jitsu has a specific, like, genre, which is, it's like EDM slash, I guess it's called, like, trap music or something like that. Either way, it's, 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 ED, it's more or less EDM. And it's great. Like, I dig it because, like, for me, that's kind of like my zen. Like I know when I walk into that door, I know what to expect, and it kind of it kind of kind of just puts me into that mindset where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to train here. Whereas some of the clients at Nine Round, they're just like, uh, can you put on, can you change the music, or can you put on this type of music? I'm like, okay, like damn, I'm like I know when <laughs> when some like slower songs have come up at the gym, like it d- doesn't even make a difference to me. I'm just like, all right, like I'll just get into this, like. You know, I'll just yeah. make this my workout song for right. however for three you know, minutes, until, three until so, minutes, or until somebody changes it. Right, or, or yeah, yeah, something I'll change or or whatever, depending on how slow or how. If this first line is like something along like "Oh baby, hold my hand," <laughs> you know, something like a love song, I'll definitely change it. I'm not gonna leave it there, but something I really want to change here. Can we change the phrase? Oh, I love all kinds of music. I really don't want that to be like a phrase anymore. I want people to start saying, oh, I tolerate all kinds of music. <laughs> That's fair. I, unless you actually really love all kinds of music, don't say you love all kinds of music. I don't even say I, I love all kinds of music. I like it. My thing, oh, I like this. So my thing that I bring up with my cousin, because my cousin's like, you like everything. I'm like, no, I appreciate everything. I'm like, because regardless if it's a genre I like or don't like, I hope that the people that created this did this with the intent to release art that was theirs. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Now like we're, we can go into pop country for a second, just for a second. Stuff like that. You know, we've have we've already had this discussion about pop pop country and whatnot. So we don't have to dive in. We already know. But um but yeah, just appreciating and hoping appreciating and hoping that, you know, it's done with good intent and the art behind it, you know, the we can go beyond, go as far as that. What I was gonna say about the three, uh, the like changing songs or whatever, like the three and a half minute thing, you know, people's attention span. It's like really, like <laughs> you can't last three and a half minutes for one song, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you get to the next one or whatever. But uh, we can yeah. keep moving. We can keep moving. I just man, um, keep going back to um, Katie being in town. But like the um, 
the song we wrote ended up being about four minutes, four minutes, two seconds, mm. más o menos. And, Damn. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it goes over the three minute 30. Um, but we could have easily cut it down to three minute 30. But but why would you? Yeah, well, that was such a song for us. Uh, and OK, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about this song because, um, well, me and her have been talking about it almost every day since we wrote it um, because it was just such an heavy. It, it had such a heavy impact for both of us, you know, what we had written. And we're just like both super proud of it. And we can't stop talking about just how proud of it we are. And it's it's badass. It's like a badass feeling, best feeling in the world. But, you know, we could have easily cut it down and shaved it to three minutes, 30 seconds. But instead, we put on this, um, if you will, for lack of a better term right now, like a jam section um, for those last 30 seconds um, where I'm just kind of going off on the harmonica on the work tape we recorded. And she's just wailing away, just hitting these notes and just going off on this line and just really feeling it. And it was just like such an emotion there that. I'm glad that emotion lives in that 30-second time span that otherwise, for the sake of people's attention spans or for the sake of, you know, just wanting to get played on radio or whatever or be radio-friendly or be, you know, mainstream-friendly. Make it like, to radio. Like, yeah. that, make, having that be the priority instead of the song. It, instead of the passion from it, instead of the feeling. And that's just what, you know, I mean, I was following Katie on that one because she was singing the lead. So, um, But she was just feeling it. So she just kept playing and just she was just wailing and just you know um, um, ad libbing on this one line, and she just all in it, man. And so I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" And I was just like responding to her right back with my harmonica solo. So you know she'd be doing her thing, and then I'd respond musically to it, and and you know we're just kind of going off of that chemistry and just making music, man. And it was fucking fun. Like That's it awesome. was awesome. Oh yeah. Um, it was like some of the most fun I've had in a minute. And um, it's badass. And, like, the song came out to four minutes and some change, but, but shit, I wouldn't change it. And I know she's not going to change it. Like, yeah. that's that's how the fucking song goes now. Yeah, so, right, right, absolutely. Um, uh, let me yeah. drop this real quick. So, Katie Bazin, you guys need to check out this record. It was re released in 2015. Release the Sound is the name of the record. I'm going to drop that because I remember hearing that when Eddie first told me about it. As soon as it came out, he's like, and I remember when he texted me, I was on my way to the, to the record shop here in town, like Erin McCallan. And you're like, hey, listen to this record. So I'm, I'm cruising to the record shop, and, and I'm like, oh, my God. I could not believe what my ears were hearing because had, it had been a long time coming to hear something that good. And I'm, I'm hyping it the hell up because I like it that much. <laughs> I personally like it that much. So I will say that. Release the sound by Katie Bazden. All the stuff before the voice, which is really awesome. Yes, focus on um, is it just like I used to, or like I just used like to? I just like I used to. Okay, yeah, That's cool deal. My favorite, <laughs> okay, my favorite is uh, so one of them is the, the guitar solo in Fallen, like guitar solo is wicked. Uh, but they all have like n now I will say they're like a Katie thing. Like I kind of see this. I I kind of see like these. These uh, underlying things that were like, oh, like maybe that's maybe that's personal to Katie. Maybe this, you know, that's kind of the way I hear songs now. So like China Doll, Count on Me to Run, you know, uh, Mouth to Feet is a good, like sassy song that I was like, yeah, like because it's about like you're just another mouth to feed. Are you gonna sleep on my couch or whatever? And you use it like Direct TV or something like that. <laughs> and it's freaking awesome. Like yeah, like that's cool. Like through this record, I felt like I 
had a minimal understanding of who Katie Basden is. I think, I mean, I, I have yet to, I, I messed up for those listening. I could have had her on the podcast this week, at least earlier in the week, and then, you know, maybe save it for later or something either way. Uh, but I messed up. Hopefully she will be back in town anytime, or maybe we'll be in Nashville and I'll take my stuff over there and we'll go get it. Well, you know, at some point, hopefully get a couple hours that we can get with her. Uh, but either way, um, through this record definitely made an impact on me, like in multiple ways, you know, not, not just the music or one in the individual variable. Yeah. Very cool. It's good shit, man. It was good to write a song with that girl. (laughs) Fuck. Well, I know you're hyped on it, and I can only, I can only like encourage that because it's two days out of you know who knows to the next time, and since the previous time, and even the previous time when we started at the basement, you know that was brief. You know it was public place, and you know it was loud and whatever, and people were talking or whatnot. Well, but, she was doing her job. She was and performing. she was, well, she yeah, she was performing too. You know that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, she had, she had a, her, she had her task, and uh, and also like we, you had your task too. I mean you were there to work, record a record, and you know we had definitely things to do. And ho- and luckily for that time we got to see her perform a few you know if not all these records or maybe four or five from this record. Have you guys ever known those friends or had those friends or maybe seen other friends' friends? I guess like through like you know other degrees of some kind of friendship. Wow, I really went off on that one. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, but like have you like just known or seen those people through some way, shape, or form where they're really cool at the start? They're really good friends. Um, you know, they're really good to those around them. And then they start going through their shit. Maybe they hit a depression. Maybe they're going through a shit ton of anxiety. Or they're just... Maybe their parents are getting divorced and they're just going through something. And it's affecting the way they're becoming as people. And it's starting to take over them slowly. Like, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. Until it's just, like, all they are. And then to the point where they're so just you know, not enjoyable to be around, so no one wants to be around them, and then they start to lose friends, maybe start to lose your friendship. Have you guys ever had that experience or seen that experience? I've I've witnessed it in the sense that, like, um, this one person, maybe they're going through through some family issues, but they'll kind of detach from the group of friends. Like, they'll kind of seclude themselves and maybe, you know, get through it or fix it or whatever they need to do. Um, but I've only seen it as far as that extent, really. Man, I've seen some people get downright ugly with their problems, man. Yeah. They just bring it in and take it out on everyone. Yeah. I, th- I don't know if we're thinking about the same person. We're probably not. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, it didn't really come to mind until now, um, but... I don't. I honestly don't. I don't have much to say, because it's it's nothing that I can fix right now, mm-hmm. and that makes me feel a certain way. Cause I'm like, well, I I want to help, and I'm looking for that that solution. I'm looking for that variable I can just nip in the bud and help, you know. But um, I could. No, I was just gonna say. I think the best way to like not turn into that type of person is be more aware. And I think something we've brought up before just be kind and considerate like as if you have that in in your brain if you if you think about that throughout your interactions with people you won't fall through the cracks you won't be that asshole that you know people start to dislike and um people will start kind of distancing themselves just 
in general for for do humanity a favor and just be kind and considerate. Yeah. I don't think there's a reason to be a jerk to anybody. There's not. It's 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 a way to deflect what they're feeling. And move forward with their own life. Because once you realize come to the realization of that you're playing victim today when you tell yourself that tell yourself okay let's let's not be that anymore but with that comes not detaching too much from your friends you know once you start segueing away i know at our at our age now where i feel like we're all decently busy and individually and then as a and now with this podcast you know we 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 make time to record this podcast and and eddie and eddie and eddie sends me emails brian sends me information too and i jot all this down so it's definitely a part of the gig but for those who start drifting uh catch catch yourself think just think for a moment what do i want and maybe that's another thing is they don't realize what they really want or they're not going after what they really want so everything else that they're pretending they want is has finally faded away does that make sense somewhat yeah i think like so. let's just say okay let's just say not and i'm not even talking about careers i'm saying let me try to think of a good example because or just re- redefined what i'm saying when you realize what you're aiming for, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is putting you in a piss-poor mood or catch yourself blaming other people. If you're blaming other people for y- what you're doing, like, oh, I can't go to the store because I have this, right? Okay, can you do it another time? Is it that important? Right? Can you go to the store after you're done? Okay, that's that's one option. But if it gets deeper to where like, oh, I can't uh, get a house or I can't get an apartment because I have no money. Okay, what are you doing on your the finance end of your life to reach that? Maybe you can't do it now, but will you be able to reach it in six months? Will you be able to reach that in a year? If you're if you're telling me no. And I'm going to keep asking you why and why. And then we eventually get to the point where like, well, you're not, maybe you're not in the right field. Okay, now let's say you're in a field that, that, uh, and I kind of, I think I brought, I kind of touched on this last week, but you're in a field that you're in for 20 years and you're miserable. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to reiterate too much, but that's how I feel. Don't put yourself in that trap. You know, uh, don't be a victim to your own thoughts. Use your thoughts against themselves to find a solution to get you where you want to be. If you're unhappy at home, move. So at the base of it, just prioritize. Get your priorities straight. I think that would take care of a lot of issues. Yeah. I guess that that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. Cause I I I'm trying to be as general as possible. Cause there's like so many things that I could bring up that's on a personal level that I don't mm-hmm. want to. I want to be real gentle so all three of us can just just think about it as well, you know, as well as uh, the people listening. 
but but yeah like that um think about what you're doing you know catch yourself i know uh i mean i don't want to use you know me catching myself but i mean you have to you have to catch yourself and if like i said if you're unhappy then move uh i want to read it i don't know if many people have seen the gary vaynerchuk video of uh f your feelings he's like you know f your feelings bro <laughs> you remember that eddie mm-hmm. and where he talks about that like the guy brings up cannabis and how it's illegal in texas fine well gary then says we'll move to colorado or wait till the laws change well, this is with the guy talking about wanting to start a yeah, marijuana sorry, dispensary. Yeah, sorry, yes, yes, sorry, sorry, leaving out information, yes. So he wants to start a dispensary, or he, at least he wants to be an entrepreneur with cannabis, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm really neutral to that because I'm not going to do it. I don't know. It doesn't affect me. Like, cool, I can listen to this. But Boy when he Nelson's got, doing it. Right, there you go. But when it got to the point of, like, forget your feelings, make a choice, move to Colorado, or wait till the laws change. That's that's a good. I guess that's an example that I that's better that I haven't used uh, for that. Uh, making going back to the base also is making choices, prioritize, execute, and stop complaining about the things that you can't or won't change. Because a lot of times now, like I do catch myself, even the way I text sometimes now is like instead of saying, "Hey, can you send me this?" I'll be like, "Will you send me this?" and and while it's a more of a me thing to me correct myself on my grammar, whenever I, let's say I send, well, I send Eddie, will you, will you send me those songs that you want to cover? And it's a yes or no answer. No, I can't because of this. No, I can't because I'm busy. Fine. But it's a, it's more of a yes or no than can't. Well, I can, but then you, then you extend the conversation way longer than maybe it needs to be. I prefer, I do in the long run prefer a, a yes or no. So, um, just going off of that, and yeah, making it the will or what? What you say, Brian? The won't, uh, you can or won't make a decision. Yeah, like stop complaining on things you can't or won't change. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna call it here. We just hit a good marker. I think this last bit. I think we we hit a good topic that we can end on. Um, but I'm gonna reiterate. In addition to Brian's, you know, not making a decision. Um, Check yourself, check what you say, how you respond to your interact or during your interactions with other people. Um, sometimes it may be hard. Sometimes it's a, it's a, an emotional topic. Sometimes it's an emotional thing that maybe doesn't allow you to detach. And I'm not saying, I don't even think you need to detach right away, but Think hard about how you're going to respond. Because if you haven't detached enough, you ha- you shouldn't respond. So think of that. Before you... Before the first word comes out of your mouth. Uh, one final example is Tim Ferriss. He t- at some point, I think it was him and Jocko bring up uh, writing an email extremely undetached. It's like, do not hit that send button. And, and it, I, I'm pretty sure it was a business example that they gave, but it doesn't matter. It also goes with talking with human beings. And I just want to leave everyone with that, and myself included, because we have, we have to check ourselves. And you, if, if you don't want to be where you are, whether it's the place, whether it's the work, whether it's the job, 
whether it's your home where you live, I don't want you to be unhappy. I want you to be happy and fulfilled.